This week, we're setting the popcorn time machine back to July 3rd, 1985, punching it to 88 and hit it in overdrive. Hop on in, buttheads. Let's head to Hill Valley just before we are out of time. I'd say buckle up for the road ahead, but where we're going, we don't need roads. And the time has come. We've been talking about this for a while. We've been scouring the internet with our cryptic messages. But here we are, Popcorn Time Machine, bringing you all of your favorite 80s and 90s movies. We are going to zap them into the future. We are going to bring them up to today's standards. And we are going to talk a lot about the good, the bad, the ugly. And we are going to see what kind of held up over time. We're going to propose a lot of fun questions as to where are these characters now, and all kinds of fun stuff. But of course, I cannot do this by myself. We have a whole cast and crew along with us today. I, of course, am Nick. I am going to be sort of running a little bit of this. Let's all, we'll call it a show, I guess. But I will be kind of emceeing, if you will, through this process and, and guiding us through the, the time travel that we're going to be ahead. So let me introduce you to the cast and crew that we have along with us. Let's start with Jimmy, why don't you say hello to the people? They have said hello to you online. And why don't you just give them a brief little rundown of 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 you, of Jimothy? Hello to the people. That's it. That's all I've got. I'm just great kidding. intro. Great. No, just, <laughs> dude. Um, yeah, I I love movies, as all of us do. Um, I'm a huge trivia guy. I love facts i love to know everything about the movies i love to know you know how it came to be how you know how they came up with the idea how they picked the actors and you know i love how it all just comes together um so i'm really excited for this we've been talking about this for a long time and we've got a great group of guys that uh yeah that just love share my affinity for movies so i'm really excited um yeah that's it i can't wait to share this experience Mr. IMDB himself. He's he's humbling himself a little bit, but I'm sure over the course of this podcast, you are going to find out that someone has spent way too much time on IMDB and, and crew notes and stuff like that. He will pick them out of the bunch, that's for sure. But you'll oh, you'll I'm absolutely you'll, gonna get flamed by fans because you will he's all wrong. Come, he's wrong. <laughs> you will all come to realize that soon soon. So uh next up we have Kevin, member of yes. Popcorn Time Machine. And I am the old guy here. So when we get back to these older 80s movies, I'm the guy that saw them when they were out, new releases, and all you young guys are just learning about them now. But the 80s, 90s, great, great time for great movies. All the John Hughes films, 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink. And we can't forget all of the great war movies that came out back then, Full Metal Jacket, Platoon, Casualties of War, The Killing Field. And then, of course, the classic The Shining all fits into that era. And so I'm, we're going to hit all the genres, but the 80s and 90s have a bunch of great movies. Yeah, that was uh, this era. I feel like it is it's starting to have that resurgence. And the fanfare is obviously kicking around recently with a lot of these, you know, remakes, anniversaries, sequels, coming up. anniversaries. These, these reimaginings are coming from the 80s and 90s. You know, we see stuff like Ghostbusters, which is coming out with a new release. We're seeing Cobra Kai, which is an offshoot of you know, the karate kid and it's really become Beetlejuice is back. You know, I really think 
up until you know five years ago this was sort of that forgotten era of how much greatness really came out in these years and i'm, I'm just excited to kind of dive into oh all it, the it definitely had its share of bombs but <laughs> oh we'll get to those i'm sure at some point but we also have some more individuals so sill why don't you take the floor and tell the people about yourself tell loving how are you guys doing welcome in my name is sill short for silvio and uh Probably the opposite of Kevin. Um, I'm the youngest guy here, I think. I believe so. We'll, we'll go around and maybe or maybe not share some, uh, our ages here. But um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Eric's super old. There we go. So I'm definitely uh, no, I'm I'm, just, I'm 30. So it's not it's not that bad. But I'm as foreign as they come. So everything that you saw, your 80s were probably my 2000s. So um, I'm, I'm I all these movies that it did. You know, everybody kind of like knows about and are so are called classics. For me, I got to enjoy them very late. It's awesome because like I literally just watched Back to the Future. Oh, did we just reveal the movie? We did earlier in the in the in the intro. The people know. You're right. Okay. So um, <laughs> oh, you yeah, no, you blew it. You're, fi- you're fired. So uh, there's, one less, there's one less. There's one less. It was a good run, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, you're fired. Was you're fired. Ten, ten seconds in. And yeah, that's how it takes. But um, going back to being the most foreign, um, I would probably mess up the first. Here we go. No, but I'm super excited, right? Like I, 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 fall in, I fell in love with movies when it comes to just how they're made. Uh, just, just trying to find the, the the puzzles and the clues behind it, the reason why, how intentional movies can get. I mean, uh, watching a movie with me could probably get annoying because I'll be like, pause, hold on. You see that shot? They probably had to blah, 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 to make that shot happen. And, and my wife's not really fond of me watching movies, but um, I do have a, a, a passion for it and I'm excited. And I will be doing a lot of learning because all the 80s and 90s movies, um, they're, they're classics. But for me, they're kind of new. Which is going to be a fun perspective that we can have like between, between all of us, right? Because Kevin had mentioned he saw those a lot in the theaters or upon release. And I've kind of grew up with a lot of these because they were just shown to me at a young age and some of these i'm sure down the line once we get you know out of let's say the classics and into those deep cuts some of them may be for the first time myself so it's going to be we're going to have a lot of varying perspectives on these which is really interesting yeah and no, then our- i'm excited for sure like I, again like every classics for me were just like i was already in my 20s when i watched his first classic so it's uh it's fun it is all right and then our final member my boy diaz yeah, baby. Diaz, like the cartel. Like all the villains, <laughs> like the villains in most of these 80s and 90s movies. Um, speaking of me, I'm a, I'm a huge movie buff. It doesn't matter the category. I just like to watch it. Whether it's a comedy, action, over the tops, dumb action, it doesn't matter. I'm the guy. You want to see a movie with? I'm down. Let's watch it. And uh, Kevin uh, listed off tons of movies. To piggyback off that, I like to look at the great and the not so great. This, this is what we're talking the best of the best series. Under Siege. Anything that John Claude Van Damme was in. You want some advice? Take your fancy clothes and your black silk underwear and go back to Disneyland. That man deserves an Oscar in everything he's ever done, okay? But I love those over-the-top action movies. Those movies that literally make you, look like Sylv said, just pause it. And he likes to look at it and like, oh, how'd they do that? I wonder how that was done. I like to pause it and go, why was that done? So I just love everything about it, from the greatness of a movie to the mistakes of the movie. It's all about the movies. 
It is. It is. And we're going to get into a lot of that good stuff. I, I really like that perspective of of the <laughs> why was this done? Because there's a lot of whys. And I'm yes. sure there's a handful of whys in the movie that we're going to be talking about. So that, of course, is Back to the Future. So, Jimmy, we're going to hand it right over to you. Mr. IMDb himself. Why don't you give us a little rundown on the cast and crew, some some stuff that you picked up along the way. Obviously, the people know that this is the Michael J. Fox show and stuff like that. But let's get in a little bit deeper and see what what information you can find up about this movie for us. Yeah, absolutely. We've all known like Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd, but I never like, you know, he's always just like, I feel like even on our childhoods, he's always just kind of been there. You know, he's always just we all we just know him. This is really cool. You know, especially in the 80s, he was definitely known for family ties. And interesting enough, he wasn't even the first choice for family ties. It was Matthew Broderick. Broderick wasn't available. So he got it. And as Mechus was, Bobby Z was developing this idea for uh, Back to the Future, his, uh, you know, after watching Family Ties and all that, that was the perfect Marty McFly. He wanted, he, he kind of based the character off of, Mar- you know, of Michael J. Fox. Gary David Goldberg, who was the showrunner, no, was, don't even talk to him. <laughs> didn't want, didn't <laughs> Hands want. Hands off. Yeah, exactly. Didn't want him talking to him because, you know, his co-star, Meredith Baxter, uh, was on maternity leave and they needed Michael J. Fox to really shoulder the load and carry the show. So Zemeckis went with like Eric Stoltz and Eric Stoltz, you know, we, we know him from, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever seen Mask, not The Mask, <laughs> Mask with Cher, yeah. where Cher won an Oscar, you know, where he's, you know, she's think the mother of like this you know he's got like a facial deformity and obviously Pulp Fiction where he plays Lance who injects a ton of adrenaline <laughs> into Uma Thurman. Stab her three times? No you don't gotta fucking stab her three times. You can stab her once but it's gotta be hard enough to get through her breastplate into her heart. <laughs> it just wasn't working out you know especially when you kind of make a character when you have somebody for an actor or an actress as not like, this is the perfect role for this person. And it's just not working out. You know, the humor wasn't there and they shot scenes. They shot scenes with uh, Eric Stoltz. They did. And uh, what happened was Meredith Baxter came back from maternity leave and it worked out in a beautiful miracle because Michael J. Fox's schedule was able to lighten a little bit and Zemeckis was able to, to sign him. And that's how we get Marty McFly. It's really cool. I mean, Michael J. Fox, his after Back to the Future, his career absolutely exploded. I mean, during and after Back to the Future trilogy, he had, in the same year as Back to the Future, he had Teen Wolf, you know, in 85. Light of Day, you know, in 1987. He had like, I mean, it's insane. He went like, you know, 1987, he also had another movie, Secret of My Success. Bright Lights, 88. Bright Bright Lights, Big City, 88. And, you know, Kev, you mentioned this great, very underrated war movie, very underrated Vietnam war movie with uh, Sean Penn, Casualties of War in 89. And then blew up the television era in the mid 90s to early 2000s with uh, Spin City. And I love, I am a huge fan of Mike Flaherty. I think, I mean, if, it, if you guys love sitcoms, you know, television, uh, check out Spin City, created by Bill Lawrence. And if you don't know who Bill Lawrence is, God, that guy creates gold. I believe he was one of the co-creators of Ted Lasso. Scrubs is huge. So yeah, from 96 to 02, Spin City. And he won three Golden Globes from it, 98, 99, 2000. And then he won a uh, Emmy in 2000 as well for his role. And it kind of gets a little depressing after that. Yeah, I believe in uh, 
2000, 2000, 2001, I believe. I got to check my notes. But he ended up having to tell the cast and crew that he can no longer be part of Spin City because he was unfortunately diagnosed with Parkinson's. And that's when Charlie Sheen came in and took over. And, you know, it's still, it's, oh, it was the third season. So, yeah, in the third season, he, he told his cast and crew that he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And has kind of sparingly acted since he he's guest starred. I remember he guest starred in Scrubs as kind of like a neurotic, you know, a doctor that suffered from OCD, you know, struggled, struggled with germs and repetition, you know, so yeah. And now he's got the Michael J. Fox Foundation and stuff, you know, spreading awareness for Parkinson's, which is great. And then we got Christopher Lloyd, Doc Emmett Brown, which is, you know, this guy's got a history and that was a lot. But, you know, I don't know if anyone else knows this, but his first film role was actually um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And to get ready for the role, he uh, spent several weeks in a asylum. And his character is based on one of the patients that were in the asylum. And obviously, you know, that was Jack Nicholson's, one of Jack Nicholson's greatest films. But he also co-starred with Danny DeVito. And, um, you know, those guys have been together for a while. Uh, they co-starred in a lot of stuff, especially Taxi. And Taxi was huge, um, which is really cool. You know, he played uh, the hippie, uh, Reverend... Um, oh, shoot. What was his name? Jim Ignatowski. Oh, Ignat- yep, Reverend Jimmy from Taxi. Co-starring with DeVito again. He won. He was able to win two primetime Emmys for Outstanding Supporting Actor. Uh, and it's funny. Du- uh, he wasn't the first choice uh, for Doc Brown. The first choice for Doc Brown was actually, you know, someone who shaped our childhoods from me, Nick, Sil, and Diaz, uh, the lead singer of Devo, Mark Mothersbaugh. And if you guys don't, you know, aren't familiar, he does a lot of scores for, you know, he did a lot of scores in the 90s for Nickelodeon, you know, the Rugrats theme song, Rocket Power, you know, countless Nickelodeon shows. And yeah, because, you know, Devo looked, had that science fiction look, that was kind of their first choice. And Mark Mother's, uh, Motherball, I don't know, how to, I'm sorry, I'm not saying it right, but no, wasn't, didn't seem interested or didn't, you know, so, you know, Christopher Lloyd ended up... Uh, His character, Jim and Taxi and Doc Brown are very similar. Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, the rest is history, you know, for the longest time, too, I thought like... Uh, you know, Christopher Lloyd was also the co-creator of Modern Family, but that was a different Christopher Lloyd. I was like, wow, this guy's still got it. But then like <laughs> that happens around. Count- that happens countless times because then I thought like Danny McBride early in his career co you know, helped write twenty eight days later and it's a different Danny McBride. So I don't know what it's with these comedic actors and, you know, horror writers, but <laughs> having uh, the same same name. Yeah, you know, and then, you know, Robert Zemeckis has had just, you know, an incredible career himself. You know, I feel like the 80s were kind of successful coming of age 80s movies. You know, Robert Zemeckis and John Hughes kind of go hand in hand and they kind of owned the 80s. But I mean, Zemeckis, God, he's been all over. You know, I remember the late 70s. He did 1941 with Dan Aykroyd and, you know, and then he's got, you know, obviously Forrest Gump, Castaway, you know, even did those great holiday movies with, Polar Express, you know, Christmas Carol. So he's, he's, you know, Robert Zemeckis has quite a career. And then we can't forget, ooh, Leah Thompson. And I'm sure Kevin discovered girls when Leah Thompson 
came onto the scene. Hit, hit the scene. <laughs> but who couldn't forget Leah Thompson and her? I'm surprised she didn't win an a- o- Oscar for Jaws 3D because oh boy, uh, <laughs> she was she was fantastic in that as well. But yeah, you know, and you got Biff, you know, uh, Crispin Glover played Mar- uh, George McFly. Crispin Glover, he's had an interesting career. Random roles. I remember the. I didn't. It didn't dawn on me. But, you know, he was the creepy thin man in Charlie's Angels, the one that would, like, rip the girl's yeah. hairs out and sniff it. <laughs> and then wasn't, he was, yeah. Wasn't he Willow as well? Wasn't he that movie? Willard, Willard, Willard. Willard, there we go. Yep, Willard. Yeah, you know, it's per, and it's produced by the familiar faces, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, Steven Spielberg. Question, Jimmy, am I yeah. wrong? This this had a little bit of trouble getting off the ground, though, right? Because this was one of his first films. Yeah, because Zemeckis, I, Zemeckis, I don't think, is, Zemeckis wasn't really, uh, I guess, quote unquote, like proven yet at that time. Yeah, this had a lot of trouble getting off the ground at first. Yeah, he, until he had his success with Romancing the Stone, he said yeah. he didn't have the juice to get it to get it done. Yeah, no, exactly. Coming off of... Coming off of I want to hold your hand and use cars, it was the, the two Bobs were not really in great light. And this was sort of their last chance. And I do remember seeing where they initially didn't want to go to Spielberg with this because they wanted to prove that they could, you know, get there and do something without Spielberg attached. And yeah. upon pitching it sort of everywhere, it came to their attention that they kind of had to use their their Spielberg well one more time. And I believe this was the first released title under Spielberg's uh, Amberlin production company. Well, it had a different title too. Did you know that? I I do. And I think Kevin may allude to that and is, I, I would assume he has that at some point, but we can get into, do you have any more casting crew notes? Cause I have a couple small things that I just want to add. That no, I, I, don't way, I, don't I really wanted like, you know, um, cause you got the main, you got everyone yeah, nailed down pretty good. I, I wanted to focus on, uh, Obviously, the two the two stars, uh, Marty and and Emmett Brown and uh, or Doc with with Lloyd and Fox, and you know, yeah, like I said, you know, Leah Thompson, we've seen her in countless <laughs> random features. You know, oh God, Howard the Duck. Uh, <laughs> Howard Can't forget the that Duck. classic. Isn't yeah, that going to be episode uh, forty six, guys, or no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Robert Zemeckis has had just an insane career, an incredible career. Uh, I mean, he's still going. So, yeah, I mean, anything you guys want to piggyback off that I missed, please, yeah, feel free. Well, <laughs> yeah, say, you know, I mean, like, so they ended up with Eric originally, but they 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 auditioned some other people that went on to be pretty well-known, too. I mean, for that same part, Ben Stiller and John Cryer, C. Thomas Howell all auditioned for that. You can see they're online. The audition tapes are out there, but they also all auditioned for Marty. Yeah. You know what's funny? I think Stiller might have actually been okay. I can't picture anybody else, but his the way that he acts in a lot of his movies, I can see Ben's Ben Stiller's facial expressions in scenes like Marty. Yeah, the, the comedic aspect yeah. of it. Yeah, a couple things that I did notice. I didn't notice this for the longest time, but because I was watching this, a sort of adjacent futuristic time travel movie. Hot Tub Time Machine. Crispin Glover plays Phil, the bellhop who has his arm oh. torn off. <laughs> oh, yeah. so this is not his only four way in in the time travel experience. In what Did year you was see that, that one? Time, Hot Tub Time Machine. I say mid two thousand tens. If I had to mm-hmm. guess, I think. I want to say Hot Tub yeah. was two thousand eleven. If I had to guess, I think yeah, I it was somewhere wrong, around there. Uh, another oh, note I saw he was had to, that, he had to find another. He had to find another franchise since he burnt his bridge with this one, right? 
Yeah, I'd say so. He was only in the first one, and then yeah, um, I I never really knew the the story behind that. There's a couple different stories. One one was he had. It's always, it's um, always a couple. He, he yeah he he says he had a disagreement with um the the script of the second one where I, they're making money by I think the premise of the second one is like them making money off of predicting the future because they've got the sports book from the past right. Oh, weird! Just like Hot Tub Time Machine, when Lou bets and on the, so, the AFC title game. <laughs> Yeah, so the Kristen's version is of it. He stood up for like, they shouldn't make it about money. It's not a good moral. The The makers of the movie's side of the story is he wanted to be paid as much as Michael J. Fox. And it was about the money, <laughs> about his, him making the money, which is kind of ironic that he claimed, he's claiming that it's about the moral of the story being about money and the producers and the studio saying it's because he wanted more money. And then the, the real burning of the bridge happened when the second one came out they made the movie in the manner that made it look like he was still in it, right? So they took like the special effects and the prosthetics or whatever that he wore it that were molded for him and he wore in the first one and they put them on the actor that replaced him in the second one to, <laughs> to make it look like him. And then they're like, well, it doesn't still kind of looks wonky. So then they came up with that notion, well, we're going to hang him upside down because he's got a bad back. So he flies from this thing upside down. And part of that was because if they put him upside down, it made him look even more wonky and people wouldn't realize it's the wrong actor. And then they used some scenes from the first one or they did some camera trickery where he's like through a window, kind of blurry. And then he sued them because they made the movie to look like he was in it and he wasn't. And people think he played the part, but he wasn't. So that, that bridge got burnt. So maybe that's why he went off and became the, the creep, tub the guy. The creepy thin man? <laughs> the creepy yeah. thin man sniffing hair? Uh, yeah. Or the, or the guy that hangs out with rats? <laughs> Yeah, or that. I did have a couple others. So Claudia Wells, who played Jennifer Parker, she auditioned for this. She auditioned for Gremlins and the Goonies, but instead she went off to do Off the Rocks because she didn't really get the offer for Back to the Future in time. Thankfully, though, the show got canceled in the span of the time that they were shooting with Eric. And then they recasted Marty. And because of the recasting and the time shift, she was able to do this movie now. And obviously the Off the Rocks failed so miserably because they decided to air that against the second half of Dallas. Not a smart move. Can I piggyback off on that real quick, bud? Yeah. Uh, Do you know who else auditioned for Jennifer? Uh, Jan from The Office. That's right. Malora Harden. (laughs) Actually, I think... Jen Levinson Gould. Did she just audition? Or I think she was actually... Was she actually cast during the Eric weeks and I, then was replaced it, they may, so I, I don't I'm know not if she sure. ever was on the from what I was reading I, I thought know. she auditioned for it but uh, I could I could be wrong but I thought that she was one of the the candidates but I, yeah, I could I'm wondering wrong. if they took the recasting as an Just opportunity to Levinson in the morning yeah, didn't did that they didn't have to some something that had to do with one of the girls heights as well right what they didn't look right with her next yes, to Marty. that so I think she did film the I think yeah I think Melora did film with Eric and then when they recast Marty she was too tall and that was one of the reasons they I think that yeah I think that might have been the what case a, that's why what they a horrible way to lose your job you got the part we're replacing somebody else but he's more important than you so you gotta go well the joke kind of is is that in the movie the plot where Marty's getting erased from the photograph well Eric did fade away and get erased from the photograph and didn't go into the future Oh, man. Uh, so that sounds like it's good for cast and crew. But we also want to know a little bit some backstage. From, let's hit ourselves with some of this trivia knowledge that Kevin, sort of our resident factician, if I will, 
can kind of lead us in discussion in this little trivia portion of, of Back to the Future yeah, knowledge. As, as you can imagine, because this movie is a, a cultural icon, people have dissected it forward, backwards, and know everything about it. Uh, a lot of the interesting things that I found was how different the movie turned out from the original script in looking at what this movie would have been if the original script was used. For instance, the, in the original script, the time machine wasn't a DeLorean. It was a refrigerator. And at some point they decided one, that a refrigerator would be static or, you know, in, in place and couldn't move it around from to different areas. So they used a car because they could then give them the option to move, move from place to place with it. And they also were afraid at the time that kids might try to climb in refrigerators thinking it's a time machine, which probably is a bad thing. They did adjust a lot to kind of yeah. play with that a little bit too, because I, I think there's something else that you're going to allude to when you get to it, but there's there's another big portion of this third act that was adjusted based off of budget. But the refrigerator was still powered by plutonium. And in the opening scene, instead of them being at the mall with the DeLorean, they're in Doc Brown's lab where instead of being shot by Libyans, he's actually shot by federal agents from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. The Libyans made a better antagonist, I guess, than federal agents. And a few other things that are different from the original script is that at the end, when Marty plays Johnny B. Good, he tells them never to play the song again. And when fast forward, he comes back to the 80s, he prevented rock and roll from ever being invented. So like the, the most popular music among kids at the time are, is like, I don't know, polka music or something, but rock and roll never gets invented. And when George McFly ends up punching Biff, changes the, his course. And when Marty got back to 1985, instead of George being an author, he's um, actually a professional boxer now. And I think the final scene takes place at like a nuclear test site in the original script, which they might have changed. I think they said because it would have been too costly to, to film that scene. So those are just some of the fun things that, that were in the original script that never made it to the movie for better or worse, probably for better. Another small little fact that people might not realize and why would they it's small and it's in the opening scene when marty's at doc's lab and he's got all the clocks there of course doc has them set behind for some reason there's one clock that looks like it has a little guy hanging off the hands of the clock and at the end of back to the future um, doc ends up hanging off the clock just like that and people think that oh it's like a premonition or showing you the end of it but and it may or may not be but the clock is actually from a movie a 1923 movie called safety last where the actor in that movie is hanging from a clock so they might have used it just to tie in the end scene but you know small fact that that's from an actual movie and from 1923 and one additional thing that I noticed um, when Marty gets to 1955, he convinces Doc that he didn't invent the time machine and he brings him back to the DeLorean and Marty opens it up and talks about the flux capacitor and Doc pulls the paper out of his hand and says, when I fell off the toilet, this is what I drew. And he shows him the paper and you're supposed to be like, oh, that's the flux capacitor. He, he drew it and it's in the car. But if you look at the writing on the paper that Doc holds up, it says flux compressor not flux capacitor. So I wonder if that was what it was originally in the script or just the prop was wrong or I wonder, I don't know what the story is behind that, but I'd be interesting to know if it was just a goof or what. And I think we were talking about how the name almost got changed. Well, the executives at Universal thought that Back to the Future was too confusing because how can you go back to the future? And so they almost renamed the movie Spaceman from Pluto, which I'm assuming stems from the, you know, the scene where Marty comes. Well, that's the title I was taught. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then some of the small things that I never would have caught that kind of interesting like the opening scene where they're in the parking lot of the mall and it's the twin pines mall well 
Does anybody realize that in the closing scene when Doc lives, you know, because he's got the bulletproof vest on, it's like it changed the name and it's Lone Pine Mall. And the reason is, Mm. is because when Marty is coming out of the farm after he goes into 1955, crashes into a pine tree and and knocks it out. So then it becomes, you know, the Lone Pine thing. And if if you watch the scene, which is a great, that's one of the good scenes is the transition where he's in the parking lot and he keeps taking corners and it's like, you know, just under 88, but then he takes off and he finally hits 88, ends up in the farm and he's taken off and the farmer's chasing him. You space bastard! You kill my pine! And that's a little bit of, oh, who... Who really watches that much detail to realize that the the mall sign changed? It just lends to another aspect of this movie where there's so many nuances of where they connected the dots between the two time frames. Another thing I, I read that was interesting was when Marty goes back to 1955 and Doc asks him, well, you know, who's the president in 1985? And he's, oh, Ronald Reagan. And he's like, well, the actor? And anyways, in 1986, Ronald Reagan actually referenced the movie in a State of the Union address. As they said in the film, Back to the Future, where we're going, we don't need roads. So it's, I mean, that's that you know you're embedded like that in culture. Back. If the president is quoting the movie, then you know it's definitely a you know cultural icon. So those are just some small things. And then I guess the thing I wanted to bring up is the main the main controversy, like the the most conversations that everybody has when they're really analyzing the movie is why don't Marty's parents realize once he's, especially once he's grown up, that he looks exactly like the guy who introduced them or got them together in 1955. Yep. Thank you. And and think of this. They named one of their sons Marty, which is the name of the guy that got them together. But they never put, they never say, hey, he looks just like Marty from, from high school. Because at the end of that scene in the, these two they even say she even says hey marty i like that name yeah yeah weird doesn't come back calvin you know what's funny question this i don't know that that's basically like the same thing with the terminator he sent back his father that made him because he got sent back in time was the terminator before this or after this timeline wise like year when the movie came out like yeah because terminator i believe was 84 so this is Terminator was before this. Okay. Yeah. Because right, that's the same thing, that, that concept of, like you said, how does he, how do they not remember that this kid, this guy was in their life? It's just like the whole John Connor sending back his dad to impregnate his mom to make him, but he knows him in the future. Yeah. I love time. I love movies. They they definitely didn't nail down the whole thought process of every, you know, minute detail of the time travel aspect that in in this day for sure. But a couple little trivia notes that I sort of stumbled across that are more sort of I guess behind the scenes stuff is that th- this idea of Back to the Future came to Robert Zemeckis when he went to his went hometown or whatever he saw his old high school book that his dad went to and he saw that his dad was the class president. And then he he realized he wasn't friends with his class president and started to kind of go down that rabbit hole of would he have been friends with his father if he was at high school with him, which is, you know, kind of a fun way to spiral about this. The movie, they 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 wrapped up this movie and the original release date was going to be in August. But after test screenings scored so well, they pushed for this movie to hit the 4th of July weekend, which moving up a movie a month is a a, a tough process. So they worked 24 hours a day editing and working on post-production. They Espe- had people- especially during this time. This isn't like with all the technology and everything they have nowadays. Pushing yeah. a movie back then was a big deal. So they moved this thing up. They had people working 24 hours a day to make this thing hit that July 4th weekend. And it was a success because it was in theaters nine weeks 
after they finished filming. But after it was released, it was number one at the box office for 11 out of the following 12 weeks. So they they made the right call of getting this thing in theaters for the whole summertime. The DeLoreans you were mentioning, there was actually three different DeLoreans. So there was a DeLorean A. That was the one that was the functional one with all the gadgets. There was the B one. That was the driving sort of stunt car far away shots. That was the one that was racing through the parking lot that crashes into the farmland. And then there was C, which is more of just the close up interior shots where they would sort of cut this car in half to stick a car in, you know, the camera in there. So you could see those shots of Marty shifting gears and stuff like that. And then when they were conceptualizing this idea, you know, they hit a lot of they do really good with callbacks, right? So they they have Marty playing music early on in the movie and they have him skateboarding early on in the music in in the movie. And they do this for a reason because they would have post-it notes and they would say, hey, we want it would be funny if Marty invented rock and roll. Okay, they put the post-it note up would he invent rock and roll? Let's show him playing music ahead of time. You know, we want Marty to invent skateboarding post-it note. Let's show him skateboarding in the intro. So that's how they kind of mixed this whole story before they got into the actual scenes and stuff like that. But that's what I have for all the trivia notes and stuff like that. Did anybody else still, have you seen any, any notes or trivia and stuff like that, that you, you want to share before we, we move along? Sure. Um, I think one of the coolest thing that I, that I noticed when, when I first when I first watched the movie was the just the how intentional this one of the first shots the first few shots when he's um, going to the square he's, he's on his skateboard he's trying to like get to the to the square to go to the school and whatever and how how many brands and, and I don't know how branding worked back then right but like how many brands major brands are actually displayed on screen in order to like create that connection with whoever's watching the movie. I kind of like took notes of it from the moment he start gets on his skateboard to the moment he makes it to the school. You see Burger King, you see uh, Toys R Us, you see Texaco, Nike, Jeep, Mountain Dew, Toyota, like all these massive brands that they, they don't have to be there. This is a fictitious, like it's not a real town, but they just take the the time to just what? Re- relate Hill, this. Hill Valley isn't real? I'm done. Right. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, like that's a, it's silly, right? But like, it's just, it's just there. And they, they, they could have put any other, t- any other names or whatever, come up with whatever happens in Hill Valley, but they do it, it for the money. Yeah. I mean, they, they, for sure, for sure. It just, you know, I like to think it's to immerse the viewer, but of course money, money talks. So yeah. Ford offered to pay them a lot of money to change the DeLorean to a Mustang and they turned them down. Uh. I have a question too. Does Hill Valley look like another town to anybody? Uh, yes, and as it should. So why don't you tell the people where it's from? Because I know it, and I know it's one of your favorites. <laughs> so in a year before, the same town or set was used in the classic 1984's Gremlins. So if you see like a couple of the buildings that look familiar... It's because where like Billy Pelter's running through town because he's late for, you know, to get to the bank. Look at the shots where Marty is like skateboarding through town or hitching his, you know, hitching to a pickup truck because a lot of those buildings are this, you know, are the same exact as where Billy Pelter's like walking or, you know, jogging through town to get to the bank. So so he's not late. This was a back lot. Yeah. Of Universal. And, and I was did it, have a note know, on all the changes. Was it Universal or was it Warner Brothers that it was the best? It was it Universal. Was okay. It was Universal. Um, okay. Yeah, That's I believe it was Universal. Because Gremlins, because Gremlins is the Warner Brothers movie. So it wasn't sh- I know like Back to the Future is 
universal. So I wasn't sure. And that's what that's because I, I remember thinking to myself when I was watching the movie earlier, I was like, wait a second, I could have sworn that I heard Gremlins and Back to the Future were the same lot, but they're different production companies. So I thought at first, because Gremlins came out, it was a year before, it was uh, a Warner Brothers lot, and I was confused, but I had another thing too. I'll, 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 and this is also Billy Zane, for all you Zaniacs out there, this is Billy Zane's first movie ever. He was the Phantom, Billy Zane. The Phantom, the Phantom. Yep, he was. Uh, he's he plays one of Biff Biff's thugs in in uh, when Marty travels back in time, and I think that's all I have as far as piggybacking off of Kev for for trivia. Yeah, I just I I thought that was really cool though because it's literally like I'm watching Marty just pulled by the pickup truck to get to school on time, and I was like, wait, why do some of those buildings look super familiar? Oh wait, that's Billy Peltzer running through town to get to the bank on time in Gremlins and the opening scene. Shot for shot, the same thing. Also, yeah. So the oh, sorry, my bad. Well, I was gonna uh, say while we're while we're on the topic of that back lot and and off of Silvio's point of Texaco, Texaco actually sent them the schematics of how a 1955's gas station would look, and that oh, that's, that whole that's awesome. grass awesome. that whole grassy area that's in front of the town hall itself and the clock that was all added because that's actually a parking lot. So they added that they added the World War II monument in front of the town hall, and they added the whole landing that the clock was on and the cat statues. And actually found those cat statues stashed away because those were repurposed props from classic cat people in 1982. Ooh, can I get one more bit of uh, one more factoid real quick? Yeah, hit him with it. Okay, so do you know who um, the opening song as Marty's skateboarding through town? Power of Love. That's the power of love. Power of Love, right? Who rejects Marty at for the talent show? Oh, no other than Huey Lewis. And guess what? 85 boys, the news were tight that year. So, yeah. So Huey Lewis <laughs> rejected Marty at the uh, at the talent show. Sorry, because it's too, too darn loud. Because <laughs> he didn't have he didn't have the power. He didn't have the power of love. He didn't. So that's a perfect segue into our next little segment. Stop it. And this is the scenes that we just these scenes made you stop this movie, the good, the bad, the ugly. So let's just get into the good real quick. I'm going to run through my scenes that really made me stop this movie for the good. And then we can kind of go around the horn and see if I have left any out because I, ha- I have a handful here. And I, and I think the intro scene that you just mentioned is that scene. I think perfect. That's just the best way to open this thing. You have all those practical props with the clocks. You have the the dog food machine opener. You have Marty who's being introduced, but not really. You're Mm -hmm. you're not showing his face until after he flies against the wall. You have the whole sort of intro of Doc Brown and then the relevant, you know, the revelation that he's actually late for school. And then you have that ultimate needle drop of power of love just kicking us right into this movie. That one was just that's a rewatch scene right there for me. The next one I had kind of going right into that is Huey Lewis. You just mentioned being the battle of the bands judge for the pinheads in their audition for that. The it's too darn loud is just, I mean, coming from him perfectly poetic. We travel right along to, I think the next really good spot that, that you stop and sit at and be like, wow, is the whole Einstein first time traveler. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Einstein's the first time traveler that we got on that this was world. Mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just, 
it, it's like, yeah, it's, iconic. it's funny because when it was tested, this was a questionable scene because people didn't know what was happening. They thought that they had just obliterated the dog. A dog, yeah. Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Calm down, Marty. I didn't disintegrate anything. The molecular structure of both Einstein and the car are completely intact. And, oh. and it didn't it wasn't perceived well until he returned and then people had that sigh of relief. But Original, it's, it's super cool too with the two flame like you know when they're standing over the flames too after you know it's it's pretty iconic to see the the DeLorean. There's you know. a fun there's a fun fact we forgot. A lot of people don't know that it wasn't a dog in the original script. They wanted they wanted a monkey. Yes. Einstein was going to be a monkey, but they decided not to do a monkey for some reason. I think it was like budget or something like that. But yeah, yeah it was supposed to be a, it was supposed to be a monkey. That would have been a whole different movie. Yeah, I agree. The 1955 reveal in town square when it was really hitting marty that he's actually back in in time when you see the newspaper and then when he goes into the whole diner scene and the whole oh what you wearing kid a life preserver that whole scene was just uh, that was a good revelation it was a great way to sort of bring attention to that we are in a completely different era everything is is much different you know even something as small as your clothing is going to make you stand out in a crowd. The next, the next that could be a bad or a good, depending on how on the nose you like it. I loved the Back to the Future name drop with Doc Brown when he's almost looking at the camera and then slowly points off to the camera. You know, that's it just doesn't get better than that. The whole dance scene, that's a great, great stop it moment. Stop it, rewind it, rewatch it. Just everything from trying to get George to stand up and be the bigger man and, and, you know, show out and get Lorraine, the whole getting locked in the trunk, getting onto the band and playing, playing with the, the, the cover band for the under the sea dance, the clock tower sequence that obviously is, is extremely iconic and just a great send off of this movie of, of just concluding it. And then the, the last little note I had for the goods is, and, and Kevin mentioned these earlier, is all these little weird background storylines paying off. You know, in the beginning of the movie, Marty sees that truck in a lot talking about how he'd love to have it. And then we flash forward into the 80s and that's his truck. You know, you have Mayor Goldie Wilson going from waitstaff to mayor because Marty suggests almost in a jokingly manner saying, wait, this guy's going to be mayor. And then he goes, you know what? I should be mayor. Mayor sounds good. Mayor, mayor Goldie Wilson has good ring to it. And then Kevin mentioned also the Twin Pine Malls turns into the Lone Pine after he hits the tree at the farmhouse, which the conversation immediately before that with Doc Brown was saying, you know, I remember when all of this was farmland owned, owned yep, by you yep. know, so-and-so. And it was just a, an immediate payoff. And, and it's really fun that they they tied all of these up and they didn't have to, but they they did. And it and it worked. So that's what I Old have. Man, Peabody's farm. Peabody, that's what it was. So those were my my stop it scenes. So we'll kind of go around the horn now. So uh, Jimmy, what were your stop it scenes in the good for this movie? So you you already piggybacked off. I love the Einstein the Einstein test. I think that's wicked iconic. The two the two flames, you know, when they're you know as soon as he you know fast forwards like what a minute into the future, that's wicked cool. <laughs> the bat, like the bat, it's when. Marty's following George and George in broad daylight climbs up a tree. We think he's bird watching, but he's like peeping on Leah Thompson getting undressed. And Not then, a good look. The ugly 
definitely Biff doing some not so cool stuff to, or attempting to not do some cool stuff to Leah Thompson in the car. But you know, well, we'll touch on that in a moment, I think. But did you hit all of your your good moments? The good, I there's nothing better than the Einstein test. I love it. Uh, I mean, Huey Lewis in the news to open up. That's a, a feel good song. That's great. Uh, you know. The bad. Funny I mean, they funny they played this song like three I, times back to back. I would say the bad is probably how ugh, how you know bad the makeup is to age the parents because it's funny too. Uh, Crispin Glover is three years younger than Michael J. Fox. Uh, Michael J. Fox is sixty two and Crispin Glover is fifty nine. And when you see the parents' makeup, I mean, yes, I know it's the eighties and stuff, but it just looks pretty obvious. It's not great. It hasn't aged well. Biff looks terrible and he calls him a butthead he calls marty a like a butthead or whatever and, and like the openings like what what kind of 40 plus year old calls a kid who's 17 a butthead what the fuck Biff does that that's who Biff. <laughs> but yeah george mcfly definitely peeping in broad daylight with his binoculars watching leah thompson get undressed in the 50s is pretty bad uh yeah but yeah the ugly is definitely yeah. so we'll, we'll kind of keep on going then uh kevin any so what are the goods for you for the stop it's yeah it, it must be confirmation because it's like the same scenes that everybody seems to have on their list but like early on right out of the gate like you both said that the huey lewis scene where they're playing and all the other judges are looking straight forward stoic taking in the performance and huey lewis just leans like forward a little bit and he looks to his left and he looks to his right, like, am I the only one that thinks these people suck? And so that, you know, that's right out of the gate. And again, the next one is, of course, like everybody's saying, the mall parking lot initial scene with Einstein. It, I mean, if you just take in all the nuances, like the fire through their feet, and then Doc's so excited, he's jumping up and down. And Marty's like, Jesus Christ, Doc, you incinerated Einstein. And I think I mentioned it earlier, another scene that's great is the from that parking lot, crashing into the barn you know the whole transition like through the parking lot 1985 same car crashing into the barn you know 1955 and then the last scene that was like would be iconic is marty waking up in the bed he thinks he's had a dream he hears his mother's voice just relax been asleep for almost nine hours now had a horrible nightmare dreamed that i went back in time it was terrible well, safe and sound now, back in good old 1955. Lights come on. It's it's not, well, it's not, it, it is his mother, but it's not his mother of 19, you know, 85. And that whole scene that plays out there with Calvin, and that's the scene that you can really appreciate uh, Michael J. Fox, how he put his physical comedic mannerisms into it between the falling off the bed and trying to put his pants on and falling forward. I mean, that's the, that's like, a great you're scene so, that you're so hot you're so hot yeah you're thin. <laughs> calvin i've never saw purple underwear before uh, very oedipus complex situation they have going on there yeah yeah so that's that scene and if i had to throw one more in it would be the darth vader scene where you know marty's got the headphones on um uh on, on his dad and he's like i am darth vader and he plays the music which Another little fun fact, the cassette that's that he's putting in to play the music, it says Edward Van Helen on it because Van Helen wouldn't let him use the, the words. So it says Edward Van Helen, and then he's got the music playing there. And then that seems good. And then the next day, 
Marty's at the gas station there holding the pop bottle and here comes his dad running across the park. He's like, Marty, Marty. He's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, Darth Vader's going to melt my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Which funny enough too was a, a, there was a big extended deleted version of this conversation when he was playing that, you know, quote unquote Darth Vader character. And, and people didn't really question the whole, his heat ray, you know, George McFly references, he was going to melt him with his heat ray. That was part of the deleted scene where Marty takes that heat ray out of his waistband, which is just a hair dryer and fires <laughs> it up. But people, A, they didn't want to repeat the same thing twice because Marty has that conversation of saying, you have to ask Lorraine to the dance or I will melt your brain. And then it cuts right to George saying, Darth Vader said he was going to melt my brain. So it was a little repetitive. So they, they took that out. But the whole hairdryer aspect of it that people were, were wondering how that came about and why that's there is that was another deleted scene. And it was showing Doc originally packing up stuff to put in the DeLorean before he time traveled. And that was a hairdryer in a suitcase and stuff like that. So that was a, a payoff that didn't really get told. But nobody really questioned why the hairdryer was there. That's how we had it. I'm sorry. Have you seen Doc's hair? That's why. It's luxurious, okay? Right. Uh, Silvio, any any good that we didn't mention that you have on your list? Or, or what were your favorite, you know, stop it scenes on in the good aspect of this thing? There was there was there was one shot that I that I stopped, replayed, and but I, I think I, I just cine, the cinematography behind it, I think, was was just great. Um, and that is the pursuit when Marty gets in the car and he's the first time he's traveling back in the past. Uh, all the shots that they do there, um, it's just it's just brilliant. Honestly, you get to enjoy it. It's it's no. It's not worse than any any movie that you could watch right now. Currently, any uh, pursuit in the car. I know it's an old Volkswagen chasing a DeLorean, which makes it ten times cooler. But the shots, the it's a parking lot. They're just looping around, and it makes it look like it's uh, it's 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 awesome. I I enjoyed it a lot, and it just you have like a shot in the, through the mirror on the back, and then the guy pulls up a freaking RPG out of nowhere. You just you're like. <laughs> in it i'm like what is going on and they uh they they crushed that part honestly i really enjoy that does anyone know who those dudes are they are the libyans that doc brown ripped off the petroleum i'm gonna get i'm gonna get in that i'm getting to that shortly oh my god they found me i don't know how but they found me run for it marty who 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 do you think the libyans Okay, because that's really, yeah, I was trying to figure out who the fuck they were. Yeah, so Diaz, why don't you mention the good stuff and then we'll get into the bad. All right, my favorite, uh, I do love the intro. I love the intro so much with with them playing the song. I wish more movies did that today. Go into the movie, start a movie with music. Let it start, let you get invested in just the music that makes it. If you were to get a theme song, think about some of the classic movies. Jurassic Park, we know that theme. Rocky, Rocky three, when it starts off with the eye of the tiger, certain, there's just certain aspects of, of the, the right song for the right movie just gets you that whole opening scene of him rushing. Fantastic. The scene when Einstein was great, but I like the scene a little, I think it was right before that or right after when Jock, Doc looks at him and goes, you're about to see some serious shit. That was real. He was confident and he was 100% authentic. He was about to show Marty some shit. I loved it. Because yeah, he did. He, you know, he did. And he, like yeah, I said, his, yeah. that was the only time. If you listen, to, every, every time you listen to Doc, he never got that low. Never got like, yeah, it's about. To, he was conceited with it. It's it's about to go down, Marty. I love calling that. a shot. 
Yeah. And it worked. And I love how in the dance, the Earth Angel, when they were dancing the Earth Angel, they made you want them to connect. They made you, and it wasn't even for Marty. The way that they did that cinematography-wise, watching the guy pull her away and him thinking about letting it happen and then fighting back for his girl, that's a great love story angle, just that right there. That moment didn't make you think of Marty. It made you think about his parents, that love can prevail. You know what I mean? I like that, too. That is a good, good deeper meaning of that scene where you really are. It's a very race against the clock thing because it's it goes it goes to George and then it goes to Marty who's fading away and then it goes you know it just so keeps Lorraine, going back yeah. and forth and back and forth and she's it's calling real. for him like she's calling for him George George and he's yeah. walking away and but looking back walking like do I should I I don't know you know what I'm going for it awesome and then the story and then the the happy happily ever after. All right, so let's get into the bad. Every good movie has questionable stuff. And when we're talking 80s and 90s, there's going to be a lot of stuff up for discussion. So I'm going to run through same thing we just did. I'm going to run through my bad list of stuff that I found in this movie, and we can kind of dissect towards the end, and we'll go around table and see what else is is bad. The the whole (laughs) Uncle Joey storyline as a jailbird, a little unnecessary. There was a, a little bit of a payback when Marty was in the 50s telling baby Uncle Joey that he better get used to these bars. But other than that, it felt a little unnecessary, I guess. And the fact that Linda, the mom, was just pounding straight vodka at dinner. Anybody yeah. else catch that? Well, that's on my list. But, that's on my list. But that's what Leah Thompson does in the beginning of the movie when you meet when you when she's introduced. She's pounding like uh, yeah, she's pounding vodka as well. <laughs> like, well, that's why that's what I mean. In in yeah. in the 80s, the fact that she's just drinking vodka at dinner, straight vodka. Well, there there which, is which vodka. Be, there's vodka, yeah. but there's also a butt light, a butt wiser yeah. on the table. So she's just she's going she's hard on a having, having dinner. <laughs> just nothing like it. The whole <laughs> the whole extreme aspect of the initial Einstein time travel scene, the whole Libyans coming in and murdering Doc Brown in the first 30 minutes and whipping out, like Silvio mentioned, an RPG rocket launcher in, let's just say, a small town in probably California. You know, again, another storyline that doesn't really get fully told. The whole... Yeah. Brown, sort of a terrorist, I guess, like has ties to some sort of Libyan army. Yeah. Yeah. Questionable. Yeah, exactly. Like to to piggyback off that, like it's true. These Libyans came to Doc Brown to make a bomb. So is he known for his bomb making skills? Like, how many bomb? How many massacres in the eighties in this time was Doc Brown responsible for? <laughs> for well, he's, if he, he's if Oppenheimer. He made, if he made every bomb like he made the Libyans bomb, none, because he <laughs> said he made a pinball. he made a shoddy yeah a shoddy bomb casing with with pinball machine parts. So and what a. You know, what a ballsy move to just spit in the face of Libyan nationalists like yeah. they're not going to come well, find you. Well, technically, it didn't work out very well for him. Yeah. Yes. I mean, so if it wasn't for the time travel, <laughs> he, yeah. he would be in a bad place. So, you know, murdering Doc Brown in cold blood in 30 minutes was a, a bold move, but, you know, it ends well. The whole Biff doing the same shtick along from the 50s to 80s, you would want to assume that a character grows a little bit. Uh, sadly, Biff grows zero bit. He is still giving George McFly the beat down the head, you know, the hello, hello. Is anybody there? Think McFly. And 
the same shtick of, you know, butthead, you know, don't bring it over too early. I sleep in on Sundays. I thought that was a little I feel like you could have gotten the same point across without being that carelessly lazy, I would say. That's that's putting it putting it nicely. Marty's dad conveniently being at the diner at the same time that Marty arrives in the 50s. Uh, Convenient storytelling, we'll call it. There wasn't much to do back then, you know. So let me get this straight. So them coincidentally meeting up the same time, unbelievable. DeLorean time machine, fine. I'm in on that part. Yeah, I can believe that. This has nothing to do with that scene you just said, but it kind of does in a way, I guess. He's in the diner. Did you notice that he's eating cereal? Uh, when yeah. have you ever said, I, I want to go to the diner. Listen, let's go to, to Patty's diner. They have the best frosted flakes. Who eats cereal at a diner? You eat cereal at the house. You have cereal. You don't uh, eat cereal at a diner. Well, he was probably just fueling up for my next bad scene, and that is the reveal that Marty's dad, George McFly, is a peeping Tom. He's just a straight-up pervert hiding out in a tree. And it's funny because earlier we play off this scene that he was, quote-unquote, bird-watching when he fell out of the tree and got hit by the car. So I guess it takes a lot of cereal fuel to, to you know be an absolute monster. And directly following that scene... <laughs> Marty gets hit by the car, and the line from the grandfather is, Ella, another one of these damn kids jumped in front of my car! Now, how many kids has Marty's grandfather hit with his car on this road? It's just, okay, sure. I guess he's just that. That's just the street you don't go down in the neighborhood. Remember how you were talking about his mom drinking straight vodka? Um, <laughs> Doc called Marty at 12.28 in the morning to make sure he was going to be up for 1.15. <laughs> <laughs> you mean to tell me his parents didn't hear that phone call? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Passed okay. out. Yeah, no, you're right. She was drunk. She... Uh, fast forwarding through this a little bit, we get to the part where Marty just shows up at school. Now, I'm sure things were a little bit more lenient in the 50s, but they have Doc Brown and Marty McFly walking around the school. Nobody says nothing. And then it just becomes an assumption that he's just a new student and he just fits right in there. I don't know. A little interesting. The kids wearing the three glasses everywhere. Not sure if that was a 50s thing or not. I was not around at the time. It seems a little bit of a a ridiculous thing. Fast forwarding to the concert aspect of this. There was a couple of things that I saw. This was and the director Zemeckis hates this too. the whole hand fading part where he was slowly deteriorating from future. They hated this part. And for good reason, it just does not look good. I don't think that 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 holds up, so to speak. And him singing Johnny B. Good, clearly a different actor. Now, funny, Michael J. Fox actually did play a lot of guitar. So he did practice guitar. He had a guitar teacher for this movie who was actually the bassist for the Pinheads in their first audition. But he was playing the guitar fine. But that singing was clearly not him. And I feel like they just could have found a voice that fit it a little bit better. But that, that those are my bads. So we'll just kind of go down the line. Jimmy, you mentioned a couple of these, the bads earlier, but do you have any other... Yeah, my bad. I, th- I, like- I thought I, my, that was my fault. I thought we were listening off like like right off the bat. Or, no, or no, we're, fine. we're going. We're uh, just we're going through it. But yeah, the bad is definitely <laughs> George just in broad daylight peeping on Leah Thompson. Like that's so <laughs> funny. Like no shame. 
<laughs> Zero shame. He didn't try to hide at all. Okay. He, his you know bike what? Right, he didn't even hide the bike. All right. Let me. Art- okay. You know what's another bad? I got to. Okay. I was thinking about this earlier. You know what's a terrible bad? Marty almost fucks his entire thing up. Like, Marty, stop being cool, dude. Like, tripping Biff in the diner, punching Biff, you know, inventing skateboarding. And, like, dude, stop being fucking cool. Like, dude, you're fucking this. You're fucking your whole life up, literally, and figure, like, dude, just quit it. Just stop being cool. So, yeah, Marty was just too cool for school, and that, I think that's a bad, because he almost screwed up the entire future for him and his siblings. And George. Poor George. Pervert. Yeah. So, so if I could say that was, that's a bad, like, he, you know, tripping Biff and skateboarding like a stud through the, you know, to escape the, the goons, and then, uh, you know, just throwing a mean left hook in Biff's face and then, you know, they all get just poured on with cow manure. Like, uh, that, I mean, all practical this, effects. This is all Marty's fault. <laughs> oh, it, it is. Yeah, it is yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what I would say is my bad. Kevin, same thing. Bads. what you got? I, I think it's the scene, any scene in both the 1955 era where Biff is just the ridiculous, you know, the typical movie bully overplayed a little bit, like any scene where he's just being that Biff character. And then the inverse is fast forward back at the end of the movie, the 1985 future version where they've got him playing like a little too ridiculous as like the, you know, the the submissive fool or whatever. I think that his, his part, like the scenes with him were like, could have been toned down on both 1955 and then the final thing could have been. So some of those, some of those Biff scenes are cringeworthy. Now, probably something we can't fully get the real answer of, but with that mean right hook that George gave him, did he give Biff brain damage because of how weirdly he was acting in the future, just kind of washing cars and like, oh, oh, oh I forgot, you know, oh, there's Biff. Oh, Mr. McFly, your package came. You see a little, I think a little, just, I, think I don't just know if submissive? submissive. Yeah, I think it's, it's him being submissive, submissive or he's a little off now. And <laughs> like. Well, so it, took, it took one right hook to turn into a simp. Well, George, <laughs> yeah. George is pretty confident, though. George, George is very confident, you know. And and Biff is definitely more. Sub- I don't, I don't think it knocked anything loose. I think just Biff's, you know, he didn't know, he didn't know, he yeah. found out. Fuck around and find out. And um, yeah. that's, I think he's just a submissive character at that point. That's just me. All right, Sill. Any any of the bad? What's really stuck out for you in in, in these scenes, or some that we haven't mentioned, maybe? Did I, I I honestly think anytime Leah Thompson appear in the second act, just the night when it's 1955, I, it was weird, man. Like the way they develop her character when it comes about when it comes to like falling in love with Marty and whatever. And at first you're like, oh, you know, like she kind of like has the mom son feel in the future, but that she doesn't know. And it's cool. Then it gets creepy, man. It gets just freaky, and uh, it, it's cool, dude. Like it's it's cool. It, they they nailed it with the first, maybe second scene, right? Like we got it, gotcha. Let's just I don't know, pan out, and it and and you guys are mentioning uh, Piff or Biff. I don't even know. Biff. You guys are men- Piff. You guys are mentioning Piff, and when you when you start thinking about like who's the antagonist of this movie, right? Like you could put him as one, but. I don't know. When you go to the second act, I feel like Marty's dad plays in a little bit. Like he's just not making it happen. Marty's mom is playing a little bit of an antagonist role too. Like just he's fighting against all these 
um, just characters, right? And obviously, I think the biggest antagonist could be time because that's what he's finding. If he's going to get erased from existence, but just the way it's just you, you threw shit at Marty, right? Like your mom is psycho, your dad's a loser, your, your the, <laughs> you know the other guy, whatever, is a bully, and he's just like, dude, I just want to fucking like he's like uh, yeah, skateboard, be cool, chill, like everybody, everything is cool, guys. Just fucking take it easy. I mean, I say bad just because. Maybe it's like the world we live in, right? Like it, it was weird. I think she's, she's playing it pretty hard. She, yeah, she like over the top, you know, in the car. And do you mind if we park for a while? That's a great idea. I'd love to park. Huh? Marty, I'm almost eighteen years old. It's not like I've never parked before. What? Marty, you seem so nervous. Is something wrong? No, no. It's like all right, dude. Like it's cool, but chill. Definitely going for it in those scenes, for sure. She crushed it. Uh, Diaz, the bad, hit me with it, man. What you all got? All right, listen. First of all, that that damn speaker in the first two minutes of the movie. What? <laughs> no, listen. In today's era, I don't have a speak. We don't have a speaker that size right now. That do- that doesn't happen. That big speaker that he he blew out the whole house, That's and funny. Doc didn't even care. <laughs> he destroyed his whole house with an amp and a subwoofer. Stop okay. it. If a guy can invent a time machine. He can invent a big speaker. <laughs> Just saying. Dude, that speaker. But what, are you, what are you listening to on that speaker? What was his 47 clocks? Huey Lewis. He... He's cranking Huey Lewis. That, that was one for me. Like, come on, just stop it. The, like I said, his whole friendship with Marty. Why is this grown man friends with a 17-year-old kid? And they've been friends for a while. How did they meet? Now, let me give you Nichols with a free advice, young man. The so-called Dr. Brown is dangerous. He's a real nutcase. You hang around with him, you're going to end up in big trouble. Oh, yes, sir. Okay, we, we don't know how he met the Libyan terrorists. <laughs> we don't know how he met Marty. That's never explained how they're, they're friendship. So that makes me a little iffy, too. Then, oh, there's, when um, Marty meets him at the mall, no one mentioned that he was in the back of the truck, right? The truck was closed, but the, the car was on. Isn't, isn't that a suicide? How was yeah, the car... Right. The car was smoking and turned on in the back of the truck. He drove out of the truck and there was smoke everywhere coming out of the, the truck. <laughs> Unanswerable was, question. And he looked real high when he opened the door. I've, I've fishbowled the car before. Doc Brown might have been on some. Yeah, he might have been on some. He was shit. getting some new ideas. Yeah, exactly. The only that, way. And, you know, we talked about how much we like the town, how beautiful Hill Valley is in 55 and 85. Did no one notice the porn theater in the background? The twenty-four hour Very porn. Very prominent. Yes, yes. That was a, they they made it a point to like do a full shot of that too. Uh, yeah, it a, uh, and it's right next to the Department of Social Social Services. <laughs> so someone decided to go. Okay, people got to go get their paperwork for court right here. This is the exact place for a porn theater. This it's is the one-stop shop. Yeah, it's pretty much. Like, it's just this come on. Like I said, Biff was a little too over the top, but not enough to, like, stop it. The menorah scene, your car's totaled after that. It's not going to be $300 to fix that. Stop it, Biff. <laughs> you can't fix that. But besides that, nothing really. The speaker and the, it's the Libyan terrorist for me. That was, that was, uh, <laughs> I forgot about the RKG, the RKG with it, too. I forgot about the, the straight missile launcher. Yeah. Just, it was. And the part. And where were the cops and security and the mall? <laughs> Anybody. <laughs> there was Anybody. 
Uh, JC, we know those mall closed. cops are on top of it. There would have Paul been a mall cop. Was there? Those are my bads. Those are bads. All right, so let's move along now because these are going to be a little bit quicker and and pretty pretty straightforward because we we have a lot of propositions. We're sort of bringing this movie now through. You know, we went we went back in time. We we went through the movie and we're we're sort of going to comment on it, but we're also going to bring it forward in a sense. So the running solo award. Just a quick one little answer of what made this movie. Was it the script? Was it the direction? Was it the acting? If it was the acting, what actor? Quickly, what made this movie? Jimmy, what you got? What's the running solo award for you? My favorite is uh, Alan Silvestri, the 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 person who wrote the music for the movie. Um, if you don't know who Alan Silvestri is, if you listen, what I would recommend is watch this and then Predator back to back because they are literally almost the identical score. Which he did the score for that movie. Uh, you you know he uses a lot of brass, uses a lot of uh, you know loves using the drums. I mean, it's literally it's literally like Predator the score. It's so funny. And, you know, if you go through years later, the same kind of score is used in the Avengers movies where he comes up with the, you know, Alan Silvestri is the guy who wrote the score for a lot of the Avenger movies and it's it's there he's got a lot of personality with his score. It's he's one of those composers too that you know that oh, once you hear the sound Oh, that's definitely Alan Silvestri, and uh, he gave he gave a lot to it. I think there was a lot of tension when it came to you know the race for the clock, you know, to get back, you know, from the uh, to get back to I guess Marty's future, which would be the present uh, for him. That's what I would say is the the running solo award. I think Alan Silvestri absolutely knocked it out of the park with his score for Back to yeah, the, the Future. The score was amazing on this. That that definitely. I think helped bring this to the, the classic status that it is for sure. Kevin running solo award who you, what, what's taking it home. It's uh, direction slash editing. I would, I would challenge you to find a scene that didn't work, went on too long, was boring. Like these scenes were to the point, had something going on, cut to the next one. The thing flowed from scene to scene. Again, try to find a spot where you're like, ah, oh, this just went on too long and was too boring. It's not. It was almost a perfect director slash editing production. Kev, Kev, to piggyback off that, I'm huge into finding movie mistakes and movie blunders. There was nothing in this I could find. Looking yeah, for it, too. That's, that's art. <laughs> yeah, that and the, the pace of this movie went at a great plate. You know, it's yeah, kind exactly. of an in and out movie. All part of what, I, yeah, all part of what I think makes it work. Yep. Still, meaning, meaning uh, just to go back, if, meaning if you like, if you said, "Oh, I'm going to fast forward through the part I don't want to watch," like I'm going to fast forward through the parts we don't need. What would you fast forward through? You can't. Yeah, you can't really do that in this, unless you're watching on YouTube TV and you have commercials. <laughs> yes, yes. Unless you have that, because I did that before too. Uh, Sill, what's your running solo award for this movie? I, I really, I mean, that that comment on the editing piece, it's it's pretty clever, but I I, I think the script was was a masterpiece and i go back to like the way we had to like a, a time travel movie is all kinds of complicated right and you have to make it very easy to understand digestible you know funny witty and just simple and i think they just know that like uh granted that yeah there's not an additional scene that you should fast forward i i completely agree to that but it's also how things get dummy down and uh, it's easy to understand, easy to relate. It's just a hit, man. Yeah. Diaz, what won this award for you? Honestly, the casting. It was casted perfectly. You could you could try to put different actors in. We could try to think about 
oh, he would be a good Marty. He would be a good Doc. He would do just like, but we wouldn't be comparing him to the character. We'd actually be comparing him to the actors, and that's casting. Because yeah. it's not, I can't picture another Marty McFly. It, it's, well, I can't picture, because I think of the actor more than I do the character. Marty, like Michael J. Fox became Marty. You know, Christopher Lloyd became Doc to the point where it'll be hard to say, oh, this movie would have been done better if it was this guy or that guy. And that's not to say neither, neither one of them are the world's greatest actors. They're good actors. They are both really good actors. But there are other actors that are greater than both of these guys. But this was perfectly cast. So I would say the casting director on that. Yeah, and it's it's really good that you brought that up because for my running solo award i gave it to christopher lloyd i just yes. think without him as doc brown this movie is just not as successful nick i was 100 i swear to god on everything i was just about to say i was gonna say just doc brown but i was like, you know what if you think about it i'll give it to all of them i swear i wrote down doc brown because <laughs> he they they all like you you know to your point the cast as a whole is phenomenal but at this time in 85 i, I can't pick somebody right now that could have played that role better than Christopher Lloyd. So what about Bill that Murray? That brings us. No, Murray. I think Murray would have tried to be too comedic with it. it, it yeah. It, 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 Christopher Lloyd's comedy in this wasn't forced in any means. No. Like I, that, that conceitedness, like I told you, oh, you're about to see some shit. The way he said that was great. The whole scene where he's trying to plug everything back in on the clock. The, like you felt for him when it unplugged after he was just doing all that work. <laughs> yeah. Like, like come on. You don't think Bill Murray could pull that off? I think he would have tried to do it too comedic. Like Christopher Lloyd was not trying. You felt bad for him. He was like, damn, he can't catch a break. I think Bill Murray would have added comedy to it a little bit more comedy. He would have been himself. Yeah, yeah he's I, more definitely would have been like he's a sarcastic comedian as opposed to Doc. Like I said, almost playing his character from taxi where he's almost like just a, a, a hapless idiot that doesn't know any better in this case he's a professor that happens to be hapless but <laughs> <laughs> so let's see if we can make this movie any better montage madness obviously 80s are, are very well known to have their fair share of montages and this trend core sort of bled into the 90s a little bit so action sequence music sex scene slow motion sweat or a makeover which montage would make this movie better jimmy what you got i don't really have anything i think it's i think it honestly, it's kind of good where it is yeah i mean what can you really improve on i mean i'd like to hear everyone else's thoughts but i I don't know. I think it's fine the way it is, honestly. Yeah. Kevin, did you have anything that you think could fit into this movie? I, I have to agree. I really don't. I think it's, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think there is. I think you'd, you'd, you'd dilute it. I think if you tried to add something like that into it. Yeah. Sill, anything yeah. from you? It's, it's tough. I think it has a little bit of everything already and even has four sex scenes. So it's great. <laughs> nice. D Diaz, what you got? I got one thing that'll probably cause an argument right now. So I'm going to say it. After re-watching this, I don't know. We were talking about how good The Power of Love is for this movie and how the opening montage was great. We all said that was one of the greatest things about it. However, I think there would have been a there was a better song they could have put in for this movie. Mm, interesting. Power of Love was great, but you want to talk about montage only because of the speed of the scene. He's on the back of cars. He's trying to be in a rush. Power of Love is a, a slower song. It's a relaxed. If you listen to the lyrics, nothing about that. As he's rushing to school, it's it's not. It doesn't fit the scene. It's a great song. It fits the movie without a doubt. But if you really look at that, a song that would have been a little bit better because of tempo and still 80s classic, 80s hit. And it came out that same year. And it came out that summer. Take on me. <laughs>
because of the speed of that song, I think that montage would have been more him rushing, like he's trying to get there. He's take, and if you listen to the lyrics of the song, it'll fit as well. I just think that montage could have used a faster tempo. I, I'm going to disagree. Uh -huh. I think. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know the, I know the disagreements will come. I think because it's I stuck. get what you're saying. I think, I think Aha's uh, uh -huh uh, take on me is. It's too fast a tempo. I think you as think far it's as too fast. Yeah, I okay. think it's too fast. I think for that scene, Power of Love, um, if you just disregard the lyrics, it's just it's a good vibe, it's an upbeat, it's a classic eighties song. I think it fits perfectly with the scene. I think you know, like I mean he had to be super late to school. He's like <laughs> like, like, like take on me it's his, is it's so his, fast. <laughs> it's it's his fourth day though. It's his fourth day in a row. I mean, it would have been sweet, though, if, like, he went into, like, you know, the pencil drawing music video real quick, you know, but uh, I don't know. I I don't but, think that would fit. That's just me. Uh, I just think I needed a, an upper tempo, so I was no. just thinking of songs for the time. And, it, and it, like I said, it came out in the same month it came out. Like, it came out at the same time. But um, yeah, I just so think, I, I think it needed an up, more up tempo of a song. But So kind of going off of yours, too, I also put, I put a music montage, and I... And I can't tell if it's because that first one left me wanting more because of, for me, how well it was. And and I do like the the lyrics. And, I mean, the the whole premise of this, the power of love. You know, it was his love for for Jennifer Parker really that that he wanted to get back. You know, she put "I love you" on the note, or, or you know, "Call me, love you," or something like that. And and you know, it was his power, the power of love that got him back back to the future, back to eighty five. So I, the lyrics of it are working but i i i feel like it it started with a little music montage i would have liked it if it's maybe ended with one maybe it would have been over the kill overkill a little bit over the top having it book ended like that but i if i had to pick one i think i would throw one of those in maybe towards the end or something like that maybe when they're the the scene with the the lightning and with the clock tower maybe something yeah. like that in the background yeah a little a little something a little you know last minute needle drop for this movie to kind of climax a little bit better what if now this is a little portion where we're just going to pick one moment from the movie and imagine what if it went different there's and i i struggled myself finding a a moment in this because most of my what ifs if it happened the movie would just be over completely so i i the one i have is sort of tailored at the end and it it would have extended this movie a lot longer. But Jimmy, did you have a moment that you picked for a complete what if this happened? It's kind of like you said, if, you know, the movie, it's a time traveling movie. So it kind of, it's self-explanatory. It kind of just ends. What if, what if Doc Brown just travels back to 55, never helps him. And he's stuck in the 50s and fades away. Like that's it. He has to figure out himself. Yeah, essentially, you know, I mean, it's this was really hard, but I would go with that. Like, what if, you know, because Doc Brown was extremely, you know, hesitant to help him out in the, you know, when he comes, when he finds him at his, at his house and doesn't want to help him. He's reluctant. So mm -hmm. slams the door in his face, refuses to help him, calls the cops because he keeps trying to like, trespass. And then, <laughs> hey, future and then boy. Marty's, and then Marty's kind of, yeah, this kid's insane. Uh, take him back to like, I don't know. Uh, A psych ward. Yeah, um, give him grandpa's cough medicine because this kid's nuts. Uh, and it would have been funny, too, if if he had not interfered with his parents, he could have lived in the 50s. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You know, you're absolutely right. If if he didn't step on their toes in that aspect and his parents still went on the trajectory of their life that they were supposed to, he could still be living that life in the 50s and then have to wait until the 80s to get to that moment and to be two of restart them? the life. Yeah. So Absolutely. interesting. 
Interesting. Kevin, did you have a big a, a what if moment during this? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go there. Like, what if Marty didn't realize it was his mother and hooked up with her? <laughs> Would he evaporate immediately? <laughs> or I'm not going to that out. Hey, that's, hey, that's the climax. There's more Martys up here. It's just an army yeah. of Martys. <laughs> There's like 12. Oh, God. He's got like an arm coming out of his loop. head. There's an entire battalion of Martys skateboarding <laughs> away and playing Power of Love cover, you know, cover songs. But that is a good, that is a good one because... He could form his yep. own Huey Lewis in the news. He could be Marty McFly in the news. Like they're just, he's got a perfect <laughs> setup right there. The possibilities are endless. Uh, Sill, what was your, your what if moment from this? I like struggling. What if, I don't know. What if he actually went to the future, but then it's like the, 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 the name of the movie would have made, would not make sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I don't, I don't think I have a solid what if. Yeah, at all. There was a lot in here that were like, if it did happen, the movie would just have ended. Right. There's no expanding story or whatever. So yeah. Diaz, what if? I'm mine, sure you got uh, yeah, a funky mine, one. Uh, yeah. Mine was going to be if he slept with his mom. Uh, well, what would happen? <laughs> it would disappear automatically. Or like um, what Jimmy said, if he got, if he was stuck there. Or what if when he told Doc Brown that idea, he, he what doesn't want to get stuck there forever? There, there can't be, there has to be other scientists. What if Marty tried to do it himself? What if Marty mm. tried? He knows what he needs for the DeLorean. What if he fixes the DeLorean? Like, what if he does it himself? Spends, what if he was spends yeah. his years doing that? Yeah, I like that. Because my what if he, continue. Sorry, no, he knows like he knows the future. He's people yeah. are forgetting he's he went back to fifty five, so he knows if he's if he any type of knowledgeable about the future, he can help build things. Another fun thing we didn't notice: he has a stopwatch. Uh, the watch goes off when he's in the phone. He has some technology from the future now, so mm. all he would have to yep. do is use some of his knowledge to piece things together himself. He knows his runs on plutonium. He knows that's not easy to get, but he knows what he needs to get. So what if yeah. Marty did it himself? He knows like Libya that. is a country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The what if that I had kind kind of comes towards the end of the movie, which would in turn change the sequel a lot. But what if his parents did recognize him in that moment, that aha moment? They finally, they like he. Finally comes back, and then that's when it hits both of them. That are like, oh wait, the kid that we met in high school, and I get it. You knew him for, you know, if you could, you recognize somebody that you saw for four days, thirty years ago. Hey, you look you like know, the now. kid I almost lost my virginity to. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but he made more of an impression. You know, he got them together. You know, the mother even noted that Marty is a great name. She might name her kids after it. He tells her that, hey, if you ever have kids and one's eight years old and he lights the, the rug on fire, go easy on him. Like, I, I think he made enough of an impression. Well, like that, that's like all, I said, he was recognized. too cool. He was too cool the entire time. It's like, dude, all, also, back. Jimmy, you just said that she lost her virginity to him. She wasn't a virgin. <laughs> she told him that in the car base. She had been in cars with boys before and not to be oh, nervous. that's right. She insinuated that. Oh, that uh, Which it is funny be because it in was, the beginning, she said that she was... You know, she was never in cars with boys and stuff like that. Well, that's one of those tie-ins where they tied in so many things. Well, yeah, there's that long-term like when, when one of when Marty gets hit by the car and he goes into the house and he's and he's leaving dinner and Lorraine's there and the kid leaves and the dad's like, Lorraine, you ever have a kid like that? I'll disown you. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just constant tie-in to the future. You know, what if we got yeah. to meet Uncle Joey? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Where where was Joey? <laughs> 
He likes to stay in his playpen. He just cries if we take him out, so we just leave him there. That was so savage. <laughs> that was so savage. Yeah, Marty telling him that he better get used to bars is yeah, that, a pretty that bold move. But, but uh, like, so like the original point, though, like the mother's doing the laundry and she's like folding it, like she's putting his Calvin Klein underwear away. Like nothing hits her. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. That guy, when I was in high school, there was a guy that had this Calvin Klein on his underwear. Purple underwear, which she oh. said she's never seen before. Oh, I got a good one. What if Marty, so it goes back to you, Nick, like, you know, if Marty just... Just decided to stay in the 50s and stuff and let you know everything work itself out naturally. What if Marty just started stealing hits from people? It became like a, just a world, like one of the most famous recording artists of all time. Like, yeah, this is a good one. He starts playing like Beatles hits like in 56. I was going to say yep. that the movie yesterday, that exactly what it, sort of what happens. And he starts yep. like just releasing and writing the Beatles songs. But of course, like in the movie yesterday. Well, it's kind of like, guy, in a, like he has to do it from memory. So he gets some of the lyrics wrong because he has to try to remember the lyrics to all. Well, it's kind of like Hot Tub Time Machine where Lou decides to stay. And he becomes Motley Lou and starts just <laughs> recording Motley Crue songs. And then Lou Who, does he start Yahoo? Like Lou Who yeah. or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, Marty's so an idiot. We, yeah, we we talked about a lot of these things in our bad portion, but this is a, a designated portion strictly for by today's standards. What aged the worst in this movie? What aged like fine milk? What sat out in the sun and didn't last? Because in the eighties and in the nineties too, there's a lot of stuff that by today's standards not really gonna fly. So, Jimmy, what's like the one thing that, wow, this this lasted and this, this was in this movie? So there were a few. <laughs> there were a few. G- gentlemen, I don't mean uh, to cut, uh, gentlemen, real quick, I don't mean to cut you guys off. I'm I'm watching Back to the Future right now and the credits are going up. Um, the, the two people that play the, the terrorists is Chad O'Hare and Michael McGilly. Mike McGilly. <laughs> well, Irish fellas. <laughs> but, but, That's bro, true. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's true acting right there. But go on. I'm sorry. I just had to. That's they should have been from fact. the IRA, not the Libyans. <laughs> go on, though. I'm sorry, Jimmy. So, Jimmy, what was your age like fine milk moment in this? Uh, so obviously, we can always go back to George <laughs> peeping like in broad daylight. But I uh, kind of find it a little controversial in today's you know day and age where the band gets out of the car and just a cloud of smoke just falls all over <laughs> like they're clearly all they just have to smoke weed <laughs> like, quote unquote reefer addicts yeah by yes. the actors. yeah so i thought like oh wow that's not gonna fly because of our uh um, very stereotype yeah the you know demographic that happened to be in the car climbed out and just like a fucking fountain of smoke just just pours out with them i was like oh god that yeah i thought that didn't age too well so that was me yeah uh kevin what's your moment in this well one of them would be as far as like aging i guess the uh the cultural part of the libyans are the terrorists (laughs) yes probably wouldn't fly today and then the other part just from modern movie making probably the prosthetics that they used for the aging probably wouldn't stand up today's standards probably turns so. out uh back to the future is a propaganda film <laughs> for, <laughs> for, like for, for our war against libya <laughs> ongoing still if you aren't aware uh for our libyan viewers we do love you and appreciate you thank you for subscribing yeah i'm sorry <laughs> for the O'Hare. machine parts <laughs> yeah uh sill what aged like fine milk what aged like fine milk um 
I mean, I know we mentioned a lot of just all the off things that I don't think will necessarily be okay in nowadays movies, you know, like the, the alcohol with with Marty's mom. I think that that's a big one. It's uh it's it's kind of interesting. I was looking back at that scene again and when when they're sitting down and having dinner, like on the background on to her right side there's a bottle of vodka and in her front in front of her there's just the can of beer and that's just like common you know but what's funny you know it's that a glass of milk is in front of george so uh, <laughs> and so that, that reference is kind of silly um i don't know if it ages like but, yeah. and then when you go back into 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 the past and um they're sitting in her parents' uh, dining room table. Her dad has a Miller, a high high life Miller Lite bottle. And, yeah, oh yeah. And her mom has a bottle of milk. So it's like it's funny how they just use like these items to just refer to like who's the who's the chaotic one and who's the the dummy or the the the, <laughs> the square. Yeah, it just. I mean, it's silly, I guess. I mean, when we're looking into a movie with this much detail and like trying to find out the why and the why, um, it's uh, yeah, maybe it flies in. I don't know. But I thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah, Diaz, what's uh, what's yours for this thing? This what what it just is not gonna fly today. The attempted rape scene by Biff. Yeah, that and a little that a lot. and <laughs> that and uh, the scene before that, the idea that Marty had to win George Lorraine. I'm gonna try to get with her, and you're gonna stop me from getting her. That plan wouldn't work right now in today's society. No, no chance. Like, I'm not really gonna rape her. I'm gonna attempt to look like I'm gonna, and you're gonna save her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's totally true. That was the plan. That's brutal. <laughs> yes, that's... that's dude. That's your son. That's your future son. Hey, I got a great idea for you to win my future mother over. Let's stage a fucking yeah, assault. Yeah, let's stage a sexual assault and yeah, and you come to the rescue. A little uh, there's better ways to do it, that's yes, for sure. That that would not fly in any way right now. There's three guys no. involved, right? Dude, Marty's involved, George involved, and then Pitch yeah, like, involved. Like, Jesus. Yeah, you're thinking, thinking that, that trio is mother, father, son. So he yeah. wanted his dad to save him from attacking his mother. This should have taken place in, like, Georgia. Or no, but think about it. On top of that, the more the, the oh, great. Now we have to apologize to everybody oh. who lives in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And if you're a Libyan who lives in Georgia, we are really <laughs> we sorry. Are. This is not your podcast. <laughs> Double yes. whammy. He, he, just edit that out. <laughs> he he wanted like I said, just the whole concept of it. If you really think about it, I need you to stop me. So I'm gonna try to look like I'm sleeping with mom. You're gonna stop me because I want you to sleep with her. So we're gonna <laughs> manipulate this woman to have sex with you. But then the other guy jumps in. It's yeah. like, well, they did for they foreshadowed this with that uh with that adult movie theater. It was yeah, called it was exactly. called Orgy, American style. It was, you're right. <laughs> We should find that movie. We'll do that details. Next. The details matter. They do. Yeah. So my my aged like fine milk. How about and Diaz brought this up way you know at the beginning of this podcast. But how about the fact that there's a high school kid hanging out with a 65 year old crackpot at 1 a.m. in a mall parking lot? How about that? I don't know if that's really something that's going on now. Well, it is going on, I'm sure nowadays, but it's you know not commonly accepted, I guess. And I don't know if it was then either, but. That was a little questionable, we'll say. We'll just say questionable. And That's their, their friendship didn't just start. Like, Marty's 17 now. When did they become friends? Yeah. And how? And I've where? Got a, I've, got a, I've got one more what if I just thought about. Like, what if the homeless man, like, somehow <laughs> climbed into the DeLorean just to, like, rack out for a couple of minutes? And he was then just, sleeping like, in the back. Just gets... Just gets <laughs> Back and to becomes Napoleon. Yeah, just gets sent back to 55 with them and just like, you know, and then he marries Leah Thompson. <laughs> 
and he becomes Marty's dad. And that's sort of, I mean, that's sort of what Back to the Future 2 is, you know? Biff stumbles into the DeLorean and he goes back in time and now he's with Leah Thompson. Yeah. It's oh, right. kind of like Back to the Future 2. But uh, here's one of my favorites that we get to do, and this is Cast Forward. So we're going to recast this movie with present day actors, actresses, and directors if you have them. So I, I this one I'm, I've am i been looking forward to see what people's picks are going to be because this has been famously you know, faked out. People saying that Back to the Future is being remade with X and Y. And I'm curious if anybody's going to pick those characters or if you've seen all the, the fake news that people have been putting out that this is a uh, forthcoming movie. But Jimmy, recast this movie. Who do you have playing Marty? I'm so pumped that I'm the first one for this. So I have Tom Holland. Oh. And that's kind of what I was alluding to because yeah. people have but I also, been online doing I also, that. I also thought, and this might be a stretch, but I, I mean, because yes, Tom Holland kind of fits the mold. Um, but if you went in kind of like a different direction where let's say that he's kind of like his father, kind of like a, you know, and he befriends, you know, because that's the whole thing. That's another thing. Marty's friends with us. He's a 17 year old kid friends with a disgraced nuclear physicist and we don't know why and we just accept it so like you know what if we kind of redid the story and this poor kid kind of becomes friends with you know uh you know kind of finds a common ground with this scientist and how about like you know uh i don't know how to say his name but dustin from from stranger things omg you know, That's if you who... went if you went into a different direction, kind of a little made it a little more, kind of made even Marty a little more sympathetic. You know, kind of you know, he's kind of like an outcast. He's not the confident kid that like Michael J. Fox or Tom Holland. You know, kind of provide. Um, so that's who I'd go with for as my two choices. Kind of you know a dead ringer, and then you know somebody might be a little different, but maybe could work. Uh, yeah. So that's that's who I chose for my. So movies. seems like you're tying right into Kevin. So Kevin, who did you have as Marty? I. I... I had Gaten Matarazzo, which is Dustin yep. from Stranger Things. Oh, that was the con. Oh, okay, I thought you were making that con. Like, oh, that was a bad choice. No, that's who I had. <laughs> and then, um, and then for Doc, it was hard. There's nobody that really stood out. I'm like, well, maybe Ryan Reynolds. And then I'm thinking, well, if you really wanted to f things up, Bill Burr. So, oh, yeah. can I piggyback off of that? I had two choices. How about Jim Carrey? Mm-hmm. I had Jim, you bastard. Or, or you know, because he's just he can play the wild. <laughs> How about Jack Black? I think Jack Black and uh, Gaten Matsuzaro would be a really yeah, funny yeah. Uh, pairing. I think Jack Black could absolutely pull off a, a Doc Emmett Brown. Maybe not to the point of like Christopher Lloyd. I think Jack Black would be a lot of fun, though. Uh, That's a good one. That's a good one. So, uh, Sil, who did you have for, for Marty and Doc Brown? We'll, we'll jump in both of these now. Marty and Doc Brown. Well, I also, so I had Tom Holland. Uh, okay. as, well, as well, which it just, I don't know. It just seems like it fits. But yep. for Doc Brown, I, uh, I actually had Brian Stepanek. Okay. Uh, this guy, I mean, I think it was in the suit lives of Zach and Cody that, that the bellman or whatever. I think I got him just because he looks just like Doc. Yeah. To be honest, but um, yeah, and I I just pulled up Chat GPT and said recasting Back to the Future with current actors. So uh, I have this, and I'm in. It's a pretty interesting cast. I have the whole cast, so I'm gonna wait to. Okay, but we'll see if um, we guess any of these ones. Then. Yep, yep. I got, yep. A, I got a decent Lorraine too. So. All right, we'll, we'll so uh, we'll get to D first. So Diaz, Marty, and Doc. Who you got? I got two because listen, if you're gonna do a remake, we gotta get diverse, gentlemen. They need to be people of color because that's what uh, Hollywood's gonna want to do. They're gonna want to establish 
a different type of Marty, a different type of Lorraine, a different type of Dow. So if I was to do that, I would change races, but not on all of them. For example, for Jennifer, the love interest, Sadie yep. Sink from Stranger Things. The actress. Okay. She would be my Jennifer. She would be the love interest. Doc, now, the, the, let's, you know what? Let's say if it's not diverse, it'll be Sadie Singh. Even if it was diverse, she would be my Jennifer. It would be Sadie Singh. My first choice for Marty, if we were to do it the way that it is right now, Chandler Riggs and William a William L. Macy can be Doc. Mm, okay. Frank from Shameless can be Doc. And yep. Oh wow. Uh, and uh, Carl from Walking Dead can be Marty. I like that. Now, That's a great one. The crazy thing about Riggs, that a lot of people don't know, it was up to, it was down to him or Tom Holland for Spider-Man, and they picked Tom Holland. They were the last two candidates, was Riggs and Tom Holland. And I almost lost my mind because I hated the character of Carl. <laughs> and Spider-Man's my favorite character. So yes, it would be Chandler Riggs, Sadie Sink, and William Macy. If I was to go diverse, Michael Rainey Jr. is from a show called Power and Ghosts. He plays the main character. Him as a young Marty. He's a young black Marty. Um, Olivia Rodrigo as Jennifer. And Doc. Um, Doc, I would be uh, Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> that's a whole different movie. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. How, how, how would you call... Sorry, where would, it, would it take place? Where, where, where would it take place? Would it still be Hill County or Hill... Hill Valley, Hill Valley, Valley. Hill, Hill Valley, but it would be uh, urban city. Urban same exact city. premise, same thing. Because when you go back in time, it's a whole different world for him. It's not just uh, dealing with the family, dealing with the trying to get your parents together, dealing with, during racial times and the equality. You can make a whole nother movie with that and hit different avenues as well to show the yeah. difference on the times and the cultural aspects. But if they were going to do Back to the Future, I see them trying to diversify it. To make it stand away from the original. So Oakland? Yeah. No, actually, you know what? <laughs> Detroit. Detroit. Hey, go Lions. Yeah. Two, two, not not New York that's been overdone. Not LA that's been overdone. Detroit. That'd be good. Yeah. So I had, and it's funny you mentioned Stranger Things. So for my Marty, I actually picked Finn Wolfhard. I was thinking that too. I thought Finn Wolfhard would be a solid choice. Yep. And then Doc Brown, you mentioned one of mine. I had Jim Carrey in there. He's obviously that wacky, mm -hmm. facial expression, comedic style actor. Somebody else that once played that character and then went to play a completely serious character. Also in the science world. Well, Brian Cranston. Yeah. Mm. He would go deep little, in that. It's too serious. I'm curious though. how I know, crazy I know he's an actor, he so you can take well, on any charge, but I, mean, I don't know. So I, we always forget. Well, you yeah. look at Hal in Malcolm in the Middle. But look at Tim Watley in Seinfeld, and then he played the annoying. He played one of the annoying neighbors in King of Queens, and he was fantastic. Like, yeah, he does have a really good comedic side. We're just so used to, yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of layers and depth. Um, so yeah, that that's actually. Cause I, at first, I was like, oh, I don't know, would he channel too much uh, Walter? But no, yeah. that's fantastic because Walt, because Hal and 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 Tim Watley are sterile uh, when he and he's good. Yeah, the only other character I casted was Biff, and I picked Alan Richardson uh, from Fad uh, from Blue Mountain State and yeah. Reacher. I think is the new the new series that he's in. But you know, big bulky guy, but has the comedic chops to to obviously he's trying to I think go past that <laughs> ridiculous comedy stuff but I think it would be a good little he side He was character. hilarious in The Wedding Ringer with Kevin Hart and John Oh Gett. my god, yes, yeah. <laughs> he was hilarious in that. Pretty much Biff you... is Thad. So that yeah. really works out and if he throws in a couple of those high pitched screams that would be even better. Uh, yes. If he can work yeah. those in, that'd be great. Yeah. So did anybody so directors jimmy Ooh. did you have a director in mind for nick you're gonna a new adaptation nick you're gonna totally love this are you ready 
Okay. So Back to the Future, uh, very coming of age. You know, it's it's a kid in high school. Who is the absolute master of king, of coming of age films? You know, in the last you know fifteen odd years, I would say Richard Linklater. Especially if, if especially if you cast, especially if you cast Jack Black as Doc. Bra- you know, with, with School of Rock. Uh, yep. I think that would be really, really cool. I think he could absolutely knock that one out of the park. Richard Linklater would be my choice for uh, Back to the Future. That would be good. Kevin, director on this. I can only imagine what this movie would be like if Tarantino did it. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if we went with Diaz's rerouted version. Irving, I'm telling you, if they were to redo it, I see them. I don't, and I don't want them. I'm all about. I'm all about diversity, but certain things need to be left alone as well. I don't think this needs to be diversified because it'd be a whole other movie with a whole other. But I feel like Tarantino would kill it. <laughs> Literally, at least, at least the only black character in this movie was the mayor. <laughs> That's true. You know, they they did have right. they did, they held him up to a, a standard. They did. So, <laughs> Silvio, director on this movie, this new reimagined version. The new reimagined version would be directed by Taika. Ooh, Taika I had would him be on my list. He yeah. was on mine. He was on mine as well. I mean, yep, I, it, I it would easily be over the top and be a whole different movie. A whole different movie, right? But I mean, if you, I think if I want to go back to the future or forward to the future, it would definitely be with Taika. But Diaz, was that your only pick? Because I had one no, other I, person. I, I have three. Okay, I, I have that. That was one of my three. Was he? I always say his name wrong. Judd Apatow. Judd Jude Apatow. Oh yeah, yeah. Forty year old virgin. This is forty. That different coming of age. You know, knocked up. He did a whole bunch of movies. Him or the whole um, Seth Rogen. Yeah world him or um, what was that page? i was gonna put the coen brothers but i think it would be too too comedic with it but yeah um edgar wright Ooh. edgar wright would knock yep. it out edgar That's, wright would I, absolutely i uh, think he would take it seriously and actually do it properly Ooh, and george edgar mcfly wright. could be simon pegg <laughs> like <laughs> that would be yep nick frost can be as biff biff <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it'd be the whole Ed, entire oh yeah absolutely Ed, edgar wright, no trilogy I think it'd be Edgar Wright would probably be my number one. Oh God, what's her what's her name from uh, the World's End? Uh, shit, the blonde. Oh my God, her name's escaping me. Boys, help me out. Rosamund Pike. Yes, Rosamund Pike can play uh, Lorraine. I just just thought of something. This has nothing to do with the directors. Remember, I was talking about the reimagining because you know, if we make it a diverse cast, we got to do the the diversity. We can't have the Libyans in it because we can't do that right now. But in the 50s, what would the diverse cast have to do with um, the clan? So it literally. Dude, I was, I was just going to be like, I was just going to say the whites. It's <laughs> a whole bunch of white folks. I'm actually recasting the Libyans as the clan. As the clan. <laughs> Nice job, Eric. <laughs> Make him riding in in the General Lee. Yeah. With the horn blaring. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. If we're doing a reimagining, you know, it's my Doc Brown. Tracy Morgan. <laughs> Tracy Morgan is absolutely my Doc Brown. That dude's insane. I love it. Oh my what, god, that'd be hysterical. What, what you mean, Marty? Where am I supposed to get plutonium at, Marty? Where am I supposed <laughs> to get plutonium? <laughs> that would be so fucking funny. <laughs> oh jeez. All right. Well, let me. Right. I'm gonna get my last director out. We'll move on to the next one. We'll wrap this thing up. Um, other than Taika, I had Rian Johnson on there, known for Looper and Knives Out. Yeah, I think he's worked with time travel. He 
kills the that comedy and knives out is is a perfect blend of serious oh. and then funny when it has to and be he, kn- he, knows how to, he, he knows how to put a movie together as well hey, hey nick, yeah. nick can yeah. i do one more marty mcfly yeah what you got oh dude we didn't even think about how about taron edgerton oh uh, a little bit older i think yeah a little too old. but i mean like mart like michael j fox is probably like 25 <laughs> Like we could, yeah, we well, yeah. If, if it was earlier, maybe like Kingsman style. Yeah, Edgar. that's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Of. Uh, well, we're, we're throwing, we're throwing more, we're throwing more recasting out there. Michael Richards, Kramer as Doc. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That'd be that's a good one. Nice job, Kev. That one, yeah. He, I, I, and I'm sure Doc Brown inspired Ray Romano. You know, Kramer's. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Ray, Ray Romano, Romano is Doc Brown. <laughs> That one would not work at all. <laughs> no, I think I think Kramer's right in that ballpark. Jerry yes, Seinfeld. Yeah. What's the oh, deal? What, 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 what are we talking what about? Time travel. You know who can play um, uh, Doc Brown? Dwight from The Office, the guy that plays Dwight. Oh, oh, Rain Rain Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't he already Doc? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, here, here's a here, here here's a list from ChatGPT. Marty McFly would be Tom Holland. Okay. Doc, Doc Brown would be casted by Mark Ruffalo. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I would have liked Robert Downey more than Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Uh, Lorraine Baines would be Emma Stone. Uh, okay. George McFly, Paul Dano. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Biff Tannen would be Ed Helms. What? <laughs> yep. Jennifer Parker. <laughs> I've got a $44 haircut. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Parker would be Anya Taylor Joy. That's. Huh. Dude, I was thinking of Anya Taylor Joy, but as Lorraine for some. Like, I was just mm. like, I kept. You know, I also thought as Lorraine? Jenna Fisher. Speaking of Office a lot. Yeah. You can, you know, you could probably, you know, with yeah, CGI DH her, her but like. At this age, you know, at this age, she could what? She's in her late forties, early fifties. You can make her just normal, and you know, just have her as she is as the mom in present day, and then you could like age yeah. her, you know. Yeah. All right, time warp time. Where are these characters today? I only have them for Marty and Doc. So if you have others, feel free to to list them off as well. But Jimmy, where are these characters today in 2024? Oh boy, we're not uh, counting the sequels because obviously, like, we kind of know where they go. But just from this movie alone. All right, so clearly Marty peaked. Marty definitely peaked, and now he's playing dive bars with Huey Lewis in the News cover bands, and his cover band is called The Power of Love. Doc Brown's dead, because we don't know if he's 40 or 80 the entire time. So Doc Brown's dead. Um, Jennifer actually married a doctor. She was... You know, she knew Marty's dream was never going to come true of being a rock star or anything. And she went off to, uh, you know, Fairfield University and uh, she majored also in pre-med. She met a doctor, uh, which happened to be the creator of Spin City, Bill Lawrence's show. So she ended up marrying J.D. John Dorian from Scrubs. There you go. <laughs> All so right. Everything ties together. There we go. little bow on it. Kevin, where are these people today? Yeah, I think I think time time wise, I think. Doc probably is beyond his years, and Marty's just Plain. suffering through the last days of some terrible corporate job. Phil, where do you see him? Oh, uh, shoot. Um, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like Doc, Doc has, you know how when, you know, Doc has like a bunch of DeLoreans with all different skins, just like a video yep. game. Yeah, just a bunch, just a bunch of DeLoreans. And uh, Ma- Marty, I think Marty is, Marty's a rock star, I guess. That's. That's, that's you think he it. made it? I think he made it, and he's definitely not with Homegirl, but he made it. <laughs> I like that. So, Diaz, where are these people at? Um, Doc is alive and well in some uh, somewhere in time, probably in the past with all his knowledge, because he has a time machine. They oh, probably good figured call. They, good call. They probably figured out how to preserve life in the future. So he's in mm. the past now with that knowledge. 
Doc's alive and well. Mm. Probably, I don't want, I probably, he always said he wanted to go to the Old West. This is, remember, this is us not knowing that he wanted to go, that he actually went back out West. I think he would go to the future and figure out how to live long and live his best life in the past. past. Shape mm, America okay. in his, shape America in yeah, his. he worked on the Manhattan Project. He was yeah, like, massive uh, in 69. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Captain, it, it Captain America. It, it explains how he knows a lot about bombs for the Libyan terrorists. Yeah, and pinball like, machines. I, I, I think, yeah, and pinball machines. He probably invented the first pinball machine. Um, literally, I think he'd be alive and well somewhere in time. Marty, nice. you guys are forgetting how the movie ended, fellas. Marty was successful. His family was well off. His dad had the book career. His mom had a good job. His sister had a good job. His brother was in a suit. Uncle Joey's probably out of prison. Marty's still <laughs> Marty. He's saying Marty just lives off family money. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. Uh, they call that generational wealth. <laughs> and a little, a little tidbit. He did marry Jennifer. I, I will say they got married. Their, uh, their son is married to Biff's daughter. Oh, all right. And he beats her. Biff's granddaughter. <laughs> yeah, granddaughter. Yeah, yeah, granddaughter. Biff. Yeah, well, Great yeah. Grand Something. Yeah, cause, no, because like yeah, Biff's granddaughter. All right. I have Marty is probably in his 50s or 60s. He's a failed musician, and I think he's teaching music music at Hill Valley High. <laughs> I think he ends up having to work for the same principal, and I think that principal's still around. You know, they he seem to never... Still has no hair. Still he's has the, no hair. Still calling the, people slackers. He's the superintendent. He's the skinner. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then I think Doc could go either way. He either wins a Nobel Prize for time travel, uh, or we come to find out because of his, you know, dealing with terrorists, his fame, his notoriety, he probably works his way up that political level. And I think we find out that he was on Epstein's list because we have a history of him hanging out with children unattended. Especially in high schools. <laughs> yeah, like... I think I think there's some questionable stuff that you might find out about Doc Brown when the when the pages, you know, get turned over. I don't know. I don't know which way he's gonna go. He seems like a nice enough guy, we but pretty, yeah. At least Dale. But, at least Dale from Pineapple Express was stopped at, <laughs> like right off the bat in in Pineapple Express well, when we, he goes into the high school. Yeah, we, I mean, we have the history of him. But I heard that. Yeah. yeah. So it, that's where I think those characters are at. Yeah, because in 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 the when they when they go back in time, Doc is walking through the hallways in high school watching yeah. watching, watching his parents fall in love or try to or like acknowledging like everything nonchalant yeah. walking around he's like oh this is this is great bunch of kids maybe he came up with and an idea maybe that's why in the 80s he's so just cool with chilling with 17 year olds at 1 a.m in parking lots on a you know unsupervised hey you kids want to go back in time yeah why don't you step into my delorean do we do we ever? It's, I don't know if this is silly or if it goes with uh, the agenda. But I mean, I am no, uh, I don't watch Rick and Morty. I cannot really tell you. But is it Rick and Morty the same thing as this? Pretty this similar. Movie? Pretty heavily influenced. Heavily influenced. Yes. I mean, the guy is Morty and Marty. I mean, I just, <laughs> just for that, I, I don't watch. Yeah, but yeah, is, it's, is it Doc Brown or Doc Sanchez? There we go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely. Uh, I guess they would say it's quote unquote influenced. I think it's the best way to in the spirit it. of without getting sued. It's the right word, right? All right. Wow. So, final question before we fully wrap up: set this thing back in the time machine and put it back at eighty-five. Prequel, sequel, remake, spinoff, or pass? What should be done with this movie today, Jimmy? What are we What are we doing? I think it's pretty good for what it is. I do like I do like the idea of a re uh, with Richard Linklater. Jim, uh, Jack, Jack Black or Jim Carrey and Tom Holland, but it's fine the way it is. We don't. I. It's got that great '80s feel. You know, it's it's perfect for where it is when it needs to be. I I wouldn't change a thing. I, I I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna pass. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, hard no. Don't don't touch it. You'll just 
you'll just look foolish if you tried to do a remake or anything else. And they'll make it, it was, too funny. They'll try to make it too yeah, funny. Yeah, it was it, there's probably already two sequels too many. Just just put see, it on the shelf and leave it at be. See, I think the second I kind of like the second one better. And I know I'm alone in that, but I just love that futuristic. I, I don't know. That's a whole different discussion, but Okay, but yeah. Yes. But I think that that those two done when they were done, definitely the shelf life has expired. You'd just diminish it or look silly if you tried to to bring it back to life now. All right. Sill, what are you thinking? I think you should bring it back. Okay. In what capacity? Well, uh, I think you should bring it back as an homage, like as a, not necessarily a redo, but like it could be a follow-up. It could be, it could, it could be what's, what's happening now for the character. Um, I enjoy the movie. I don't think it needs to, anything to be changed or anything to be, like I think it's a masterpiece. I enjoyed it and I watched it. I could say for the first time, two or three weeks ago, right? Four weeks ago when we talked, that I actually understood what the movie was about. But it's such a cool concept that I think it could, I believe it could be redone. Right. I, I believe Diaz. it could be redone. I agree. Right. I think it can. Diaz, what are you thinking for this one? I, honestly, coming from the guy that, that gave you a whole diverse cast of making it diverse for the times, leave it alone because they'll, cha- they'll change everything about it. It won't be the movie we love. It won't be a remake. They'll butcher it. It'll be too, it'll be too political. It'll be too Hollywood, too politically correct. Um, like they'll, they'll, diversify too much about it it won't be the movie we came to love it won't be a a remake and if you were to go the remake route condense all of it into one if you look at the Mm -hmm. runtimes, the runtimes aren't too long if you're gonna redo this movie i don't want to redo sequels take the best parts of the sequels condense it into one movie have him go in the past have him go in the future make it a full time travel movie the whole damn movie combine it in the future to past everything if you're gonna do it but pay homage to the original. Don't diversify it for today's time. So I would say no, because they'll diversify it too much. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're going to hit this moment with a lot of these movies, because obviously we're, we're going to start with a lot of these these classics that like just seem untouchable, so to speak. And and the option I think I'm going to pick is, is I guess it's cheating because I didn't really list it. So maybe we'll have to adjust that. But. This whole new concept of these quote unquote requels, right? We're looking at stuff like you know, Ghostbusters, where that new that 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 newer one that had come out previously, it's it's a sequel, but it's playing off of the events that actually happened. So, you know, if we did a requel with this where it's you know, say it's either Marty's kid or grandkid and they find the DeLorean, or you know, it's Doc's grandkid and they find the DeLorean like dilapidated after their death or something like that, and they they have to they they get into it and they start messing with it and it shoots them back into the past and they have to go find you know marty or doc in that older 80s 90s era to to get them back in time of something like that i think there's maybe an opportunity with that requel story but it's tough because these classics we don't want to touch right they're they're beautiful the way they are it, but that's, that requel opportunity is something that's that kind is, of around now. That that is there for that, and that supplies the need where there that can be diverse. Yes, that, that can be the route where it's politically correct, more modern for today's time. A requel could work in that aspect. And like you're saying with the DeLorean, not not necessarily they find the DeLorean. You know how there's plenty of kids that like to work on cars, shops, and things like that. Someone can find like a piece of the DeLorean, try to re you know rebuild the car. Yeah, a, a DeLorean. They find it with the flux capacitor. Yeah, yeah. They just they they build the frame back onto it or yes. something like yeah. that. And they, oh my bad, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, sometimes you ever just watch a movie that you think that's just way ahead, ahead of its time? Like, oh man, imagine if they had, you know, you do the same, you would do the same story. It's just like, oh man, imagine if you had this, like, our special effects, you know? And I always, I, like a lot of the old movers, 
movies 80s 70s 50s whatever i watch you know sometimes they're so good you know and and because of the lack of you know prosthetics or technology that they had at the time god you could just be like man what if they what if they made remade this movie's awesome this movie's perfect but what if they had the the right special effects you know up to date you know and i that's probably why i would i would remake if i if i want it if i did remake back to the future because it's got that classic, like, weird, awkward 1980s green screen. Like, when Marty's fading away, and it's just like, ugh. And he's looking at his hand in front of the screen, and it looks really bad. It's just like, it, or watching the DeLorean take off super fast. Uh, <laughs> and that's probably <laughs> why. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, they're literally standing on flames, and their shoes yeah. aren't catching on fire. It blows my <laughs> yeah. mind. So, for, like, purposes like that, I would probably just, I'd like to, you know, see it update, just to see what it could be like, you know, mm. but... It's perfect the way it is, it, honestly. It, it is. And we know we most likely might be disappointed in it. You know, it's, no, you're right. You're absolutely it, right. It, 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 what was made was perfect. Uh, and But if you really think about it, I mean, you can make a, a show out of this concept. Call it Rick and Morty. And <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, they had that no limitations thought. in animation. Yeah, they had that thought, right? Like, how could we just, you know, leverage? The, the, I think the only positive of like messing with a movie like this is just to bring awareness of the old movie, right? <laughs> like, yeah. just, yeah, there's a new one, but you should watch the first yeah. one. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for us here at Popcorn Time Machine. This was a great first episode. I mean, we couldn't have picked something that was more fitting you know, with Back to the Future to step on into this whole experiment that we got going on. So if you're listening to this, why don't you give us a follow over on Instagram? You can find us there at Popcorn Time Machine Pod. If you have a suggestion for a movie that you want us to kind of cover from that era, 80s and 90s, feel free to shoot us a message or comment. But that wraps it up for today. We're going to punch this Popcorn Time Machine. We're going to punch it back to the future. We are going to come back to current day and we will be back shortly with another movie. But until then, we will see you soon. Marty, you've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future.